before Christmas, when all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care, in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. This is episode number 48, unless I've miscounted yet again. But we're here tonight uh, for our annual Holiday Horrors episode. We uh, we started this a full year ago, so I guess this is actually the first annual oh, or yes. the second yes, annual. I, what, would it be the first annual, second annual? It's well, the second to, one. Yeah, you're not supposed to say first annual because... Yeah. yeah. So this would the be first the first one. You, so this would be the second annual. I know that kind of stuff upsets you, Rod, so I'm going to be careful to say, <laughs> yeah. like, it's, can I say this is our first anniversary? Because this is our first anniversary of the horror of the... Yes, of you know the, I'll just go batshit insane. Yeah. It's our second one. Yeah, yeah. It's our second one, but our first anniversary, right? Would that be the right way to say it? I think okay. so. I, think... I, I guess so. So, <laughs> holiday horrors number two, he said in a, a probably offensive accent. That's what we're doing You're tonight. Yeah, I am really. here tonight with uh, regular podcast cohorts, Troy Gwynn. Hello. And John Hudson. Hello, everybody. And I would have let them say their own names, but they might have fucked it up. So, <laughs> how is everyone? Is there a, a festive holiday season feeling going around your homes? I'm just excited about whatever I'm going to get from people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm just, yeah. The, gre- the, the greed has That's kicked in pretty hard. Well. Says oh, it definitely has. Definitely has. Yeah. I'm looking forward to all the stuff that I get. And I try to do my yearly tradition of buying gifts that are a lot cheaper for other people than what they're going to get me. So I come out on the winning end. <laughs> I think I may win this year in that respect because of what you gave me. <laughs> I usually try and get somebody something they I know they already have, so that when they say I already have it, I'll just be like, well, I guess I'll just keep it myself. Yeah. And yeah, at yeah, some yeah. point, I'll find something else do, for do, you. Do you look very <laughs> carefully in their eyes for that disappointed look so you can go, oh, well, you didn't like it. Let me have that back. <laughs> yeah. Like this year, I got you all the Godzilla stuff. <laughs> oh, good. You got me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's going to be a shame. You've already got, You've it. Already oh, got all man. the Godzilla stuff. <laughs> oh, that's sad. I guess Hudson will just have to take that home. Just have to take it. With him there. Yeah. <laughs> well, fellas, tonight we're here to talk about a very serious film. Okay, I'm, I'm wrong. <laughs> this is a film. Uh, people Silent take it seriously. Night. A lot of people take it seriously. A lot of ta- well, I'm, I'll be honest. I take it seriously too, and I have a I have a story about my initial viewing of this that we'll mm. we'll get to because it's a film that I put off for a number of years, partially due to the controversy, which I know mm. we'll uh, we'll talk about as well. I know you like to avoid controversy. Whenever well, no, it's just that. Um, well, I'll we'll 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 talk about that. Uh, as 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 a British person might say, we'll come on to that later. But uh, what we'll talk about uh, in the uh, meantime is uh, any 
holiday-themed films you've seen recently that you want to draw anybody's attention to? Anything new or fresh or just that you've only recently seen? Well, for me, uh, just, just yeah, this past week, I I'd, I'd was reminded that there was a Christmas movie that came out last year, right around the same time that Krampus came out, that had William Shatner in it. Uh, didn't get to see it last year, but I kind of filed that away because you always want to file away any possible appearances of William Shatner that you might want to check out. So I stumbled upon it uh, streaming on Netflix uh, and and thought, like, well, okay, it's called A Christmas Horror Story, and uh, I've already talked to you about this, Rod, and I know that you yeah. said that you did see it uh, last last year, and yeah. you've seen it, watched it and a couple times. and I just recently now. rewatched it. Yeah, and I uh, really, really enjoyed it. i got to recommend it. I thought it was was, was a lot of fun. It's um, very it's, sim- yeah. very much in the vein of, like, Trick or Treat, where it's an anthology film, but these stories happen kind of simultaneously. Yeah, they're kind and of they, concurrent stories. Yeah, and they tell, and then not maybe not quite as much connecting between all the stories as, like, Trick or Treat, but still connections that are a lot of fun. Yeah. And, uh, I, yeah, I, and Shatner's great in it, and it's, uh, I was, I was, I was impressed with it. I thought it was pretty clever film. I haven't heard of this. This sounds really good. I think, it you, is I, very I think good. you'd like it. I'm it's very much, what's the Shatner role? What? Well, he's basically doing the Adrian Barbeau role from Fog, uh, except without the, the, Except endowments, the you know. Yes, exactly. He's the, he's the town DJ, and so he can, he's kind of a connecting link between the okay. stories because in each story you hear him on the radio and it comes back to him every now and then. He's basically doing his uh, what's apparently for his character an all-day stint where he does this every Christmas where he's on air all day long and he basically just pours himself a lot of booze and eggnog and gets tra- you know gets it's progressively, progressively drunker drunk, as he yeah. plays Christmas I, music. I, I don't even need the movie. You don't now. really. You just need that. <laughs> well, like Ron and I were talking about, it's even more fun because I suspect a lot of what he did is, is, is improv stuff along with the, what was scripted, I think that a lot of things he's doing are some throwaway lines too, and he's great at that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it's it's very amusing, very uh, good stuff. Wow, I'm gonna have to. It's on Netflix right now. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. it's well worth your time. It mm-hmm. was a, it was a bit of a shock. We uh, we watched it last Christmas because it's one that barely got a theatrical release, not much of one, and went pretty much straight to video on demand. And so I was like, "Oh, the hell with it. Let's check this thing out." Because hey, what the heck? It is the season. And it turned out to be a really a really nice surprise. It really is a kind of uh, concurrently told series of, of different horror stories happening on Christmas Eve with, yeah, with Shatner as this kind of Kind of the wraparound story. He's mm-hmm. the he's a lot of it. He provides some of the connective tissue, if not all of it. He's directly related to one of the families taking that's going that's happening that's uh, in one of the stories being told. And it's just it's really it's really well done. Much more impressive than I expected it to be. Wow. Well, I'm gonna have to check that out pretty much immediately. Mm-hmm. I do I recommend it. I yeah. was surprised. So how about you, Hud? Any uh, any have you gotten a chance to watch any Christmas? Any nothing holiday treats really. or anything like that? Um, mm. Nothing that's like new. I've, mm-hmm. um, no Grinch? Mm-hmm. No. Uh, you got to no. see the Karloff. Come on, man. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm running way behind. Well, part of it is your fault because your, your James Bond podcast you did a few months ago has inspired me to rewatch all the Bond films in order. <laughs> well, that's Christmas. Oh, is that the one you did with Mark? If you're in England? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, my one, God. So, well, in that Mr. case. <laughs> oh, well, and, and Mark, Mark, Mark and I had a lot of fun. Beating each other to hell, oh, God. talking about yeah. I was bonds. I was a witness into like I thought like I thought I was going to have to uh, call the cops on them, and I thought I was going to have to separate them because they were they were they were they were bad at each other's throats. Well, that is that. one of the weirder things is that it is kind of a, a standard, especially in Britain, to for all the Bond films to be on television at Christmas time, which oh. is hmm, I didn't know that. Case, I'm, oh, yeah, I'm yeah. keeping the tradition yeah, going. Real good. Anyway. Although I owe you a punch in the nuts because I just watched View to a Kill. <laughs> Why? Oh, I oh. warn you against that when it sucks. It's the worst. I'm sticking to my. Oh, Jesus Christ. I'm sticking to my guns. Oh, watch him cry and say you got to watch him cry and get chronologically. Okay. Watch them all. All right. So. Uh, you can't. I 
No, I will not take the blame for that, for you watching that shitty film. Well, it's really bad. Yes. But I will say, though, watching them all in order, I've come away with a new appreciation for the Roger Moore films. That, cool. That's I, I was always pretty tough on them. I'm still kind of tough on them. And um, after watching Diamonds Are Forever, and then going into Roger Moore, it's like, well... Living the Dies and Up is better, yeah. Yeah, this wasn't quite the downturn that I always thought no, it was, no, so... No. They're still not perfect by any means, and some of them are, are pretty bad, but they're not as bad as I remembered them being. So, okay. refresh my memory, is, is, is Diamonds Are Forever where it does kind of start to get a little campy with, Sh- with Sean Connery? Because oh, yeah. I remember there the being one, Connery, I remember there the being one where Connery of... came back. Okay, and see, yeah. I still feel that there's a little of that that crept in in his last film before he left for one movie. And which one was that? Well, uh, you Only Live Twice. Okay, okay, yeah. it's it's Because uh, I'm, rec- I'm recalling not a few years ago I saw one of the Connery, and, and, you know, and it kind of surprised me because I had not realized when I'd seen them all when they used to show them on TV, I was a little, I didn't realize that that a couple of, that's his stuff did kind of get a little uh, that like you said it's a I guess little the last couple it's a little getting, it's a little fast and loose yeah and he he stepped away from it and mm. then they blew mm. all they blew they blew the doors out with mm. George, with George Lazenby with Honor Majesty's Secret Service and turned in mm. one of the best of the yeah. series boy that's a good movie it's a that hell of a so film mm-hmm. and then they lured Connery back and did Diamonds Are Forever and <sighs> Diamonds Are Forever is one that I have a lot of affection for but it's man it, there's a lot there's a lot wrong with it too. And it's it it's play, it plays a little too fast and loose with a lot of elements that it should be tighter on, mm-hmm. and it's too long. Mm-hmm. Um, got a fabulous mm-hmm. female lead mm-hmm. though, and uh, one of the few. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah no, that's few. unusual for a Bond film to <laughs> yeah, have attractive to, to have an attractive film. female lead. What an odd thing! But nevertheless, that's that's cool. I mean, it, running mm-hmm. through the running through the Bond films, like I say, is. An oddly British well, Christmas thing to do. Mm-hmm. Which, like, is the, which is the one that's got the two, like henchmen or hitmen or whatever, who are who seem very obviously gay? Or, yeah, they're forever. forever. Then that's the one I'm thinking yeah. of. The one that I saw is just like, wow, this is like really a, a, a lot of humor in this, a lot of odd sort of humor in this film. Yeah. You know that I wasn't expecting. I didn't realize had been in the Connery any of the Connery. Well, by, films by the that, time so. by the time Connery is escaping from villains in a moon buggy, yes, yeah, yeah that's <laughs> uh, things have gone a little off the rails. Yeah, yeah. It, it's kind of a mess. So yeah. it starts off strong though. Okay. The beginning of it is the beginning. The beginning of it's pretty. <laughs> Strong, where it's Connery tracking down and taking revenge on Blofeld mm. for what happened at the end of Honor Majesty's Secret Service. But uh, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, tonight, cool. folks, we're going to be talking about something completely different. Mm-hmm. To borrow a line from another British trip. institution, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, tonight, we are talking about a very, at the time, controversial slasher film from 1984 called Silent Night, Deadly Night. You may have heard of it. Mm. You may have never seen it. There may be reasons why you've never seen it, and we will explore yeah. some of those this evening. You might remember begging your parents to take you to see it in the 80s, and they flatly, ref- flat out refused. <laughs> no. <laughs> Is that what happened to you? No, no, no. No, actually, in, in full disclosure, guys, I did not realize until I started watching this for the show that I had actually not seen this. Oh, wow, really? I confused it with, obviously, one of the upteen million other Christmas horror movies yeah. out there, and, and it was not the one that I was thinking it was, and, and so I was so I was I was coming to this brand new. And, well, that's, uh, yeah. that's pretty great. Yeah, yeah. No, I saw cool. it for the first time back in, I guess, the 90s. I did um, a zine where I did an article about slasher films, and I found a VHS copy of it and watched it then but mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I didn't see it as it came out it was almost impossible to see at the time but yeah well it got yanked out of the theaters after about what two and a half weeks mm-hmm. 
which is crazy because it was making money hand over fist, but there's a story to be told about that, which uh, I think you can read all the details mm-hmm. on uh, the, hyster- the, the Hysteria Lives, the website uh, run by some true slasher fanatics that details mm-hmm. in uh, great at great length exactly what went down and how, why Trimark was so, uh, mm-hmm. so desperate to uh, shed themselves of any controversy. Uh, little hint, they were about to sell a portion of the company. Mm. <laughs> so, uh, one thing that uh, I would like to point out that uh, the reason uh, I'll, I'll just go ahead and say up front that what, the the way I first saw this film, the way I first saw, finally saw Silent Night Deadly Night, is a few years ago. A good buddy of mine and I were uh, were living a living together for a few months because he was in uh, shall we say uh, dire straits. He was going through a, he was going through a divorce and. Uh, one of the the, the the period of time in which we uh, lived lived together, he what was the, during the holiday season, and uh, so I kind of took it upon myself to uh, force us to watch some Christmas themed things mm. that we'd never seen before. Because mm. it's like fuck it, we're both here. Yeah. let's do this. It'll be a, it'll be a fun a fun thing we can do together. So this was man 10, 12 years ago, something like that. Because what I did is I rented the DVD, mm. and uh, we were all strapped in and ready, and we. Fully expected that it might be a terrible film because you, 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 when you hear the controversy, you don't know anything about necessarily the qualities of the film. Mm-hmm. So we watched it, and I have to admit, we really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we were very surprised at the fact that we enjoyed mm-hmm. the film. We kind of understood the controversy to a large degree, mm-hmm. but we also thought that the controversy was obviously overblown because... The thing that we heard when we were kids about this movie is Santa Claus is a murderer. Yeah, exactly. It's, 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 that's the, I know. That's uh, that's what everybody boils it down to. Is just... And it's like, that means you didn't watch the fucking movie because it's an obviously deranged man who snaps because he's in a Santa suit and has a real reason to be, shall we say, traumatized by the idea of Santa Claus. And... He's the one doing the killing. There's never any indication that this is Santa Claus, for God's sake. <laughs> Do we yeah. want to talk about the whole controversy now, or cover that? Let's later? let's hold off on it. But the 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 reason I wanted to bring that up is uh, uh, the the young man who I sat down and watched that film with oh those many years ago uh, uh. Uh, wrote Mr. Hudson and I a quick little little note. Now this is a man you may have heard of. He's a friend of ours, and uh, mm-hmm. well, you may have uh, heard him on podcasts such as Star Crash. Mm-hmm. And uh, Beastmaster yeah. contamination. Yeah, yeah, he's kind of our go-to. Usually, when Rod and I are ready to, yeah, yeah, we we tackle some uh, some fun uh, Italian stuff with him. Uh, not for any other, not for any other. He's not Italian, and neither are we. It's it's not for any other reason. It's not for any other reason than somehow we just uh, somehow we just fell into this niche. Yeah, uh, you know. Yeah, that, 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 so, but well, what it is is it's 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 our buddy Jeff. And he just wanted to write, and he says, "I'm just fresh off your Antonio Margariti Arc of the Sun God podcast with John Hudson." And uh, I just thought I'd chime in because you know of my margariti love. Uh, I feel it's a bit of a travesty that I have not seen until recently this particular movie because I should have seen it years ago. The only thing actually wrong with the movie is, of course, the main musical theme. The word wretched comes to mind. (laughs) Oh, come (laughs) Along with the noticeable twitching of my right thumb attempting to hit the mute button on my remote control. Anyway, speaking of music, I was wondering if you guys had noticed a familiarity in a few of the musical cues in the film. You and Hudson mentioned a few musical notes possibly lifted from Star Wars and or Battlestar Galactica. It's from another fantasy film, 
just about halfway through, basically when our heroes get to the desert, the music is from the Beastmaster. Wow. Yes, indeed. Proof positive. I've seen that film too many times. <laughs> we can we can attest. We know Jeff. We can attest that he's seen. He he is the he's the Beastmaster Master Man man. He uh, he loves he's, it. He says so. Yes, right about the fifty minute mark. The scene with the helicopter looking down at the desert. Numerous scenes when they're out in the open in the blazing sun. And then there's a wonderful horseback and camel running scene, all backed up by the Beastmaster's uh, score. Just thought I'd mention it because I'm weird. I'm weird and mm. shit like that. <laughs> Talk to you later, Jeff. So clearly, the score for this for for Ark of the Sun God was cobbled together. Possibly illegally. No, no, no. I'm sure it was all above board. Well, I think they spent all their money on the theme song. <laughs> oh, and then they said, well, after we... But it still managed to worm its way into the film anyway. <laughs> they were spent all the money trying to keep it out, and it still got its way in. You'll go to your grave defending that god-awful song. Yes, I will. Yes, I will. Of course, I also have the single from the... Night Train to Terror song. Ah, uh, now see, I was just about to say, when it comes to great soundtracks. <laughs> Night Train to Terror. Oh. Dance with me, dance, dance with me. With me. <laughs> no, oh. we're just torturous. Oh. And on that hideous note, folks, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we will uh, we'll dive into Silent Night, Deadly Night. <sighs> Fucking Night Train to Terror. <laughs> Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Oh. Necrophilia. It's a dead issue, man. Don't don't push it. Cinema PsyOps is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, Prudes. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am in the most sincerest of senses disappointed in you. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. Oh, I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I, I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get it's out of it. unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this movie. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you shouldn't be. I'm not entirely sure even 17-year-olds should be watching this Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this like little nerd glee with everything that kept little history doll popping up at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you you couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped watching this shit at twelve years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was. How did you watch this shit at twelve? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. There are a lot of podcasts out there that do science fiction, horror, and fantasy movies, but how many of them are done by somebody who's been watching this shit for half a century? Hi, my name's Terry Frost, and I do the Martian Drive-In Podcast, a podcast where I look at silent films all the way through to movies from the second decade of the 21st century. I look at fantasy, horror, and science fiction, and talk about them sometimes with the guests sometimes by myself but always with an eye to the stuff that maybe has slipped off your radar if it was ever on your radar so go to marsdrivein.blogspot.com or type martian drive-in podcast into itunes and enjoy a bit of decent genre talk and keep watching the skies there's watching waiting christmas eve is slowly fading 
Can you hear him in the night? Close the door, turn out the light. Santa's watching, Santa's creeping. Now you're nodding, now you're sleeping. Were you good for mom and dad? Santa knows if you've been bad. There might be a treat for you in Santa's bag of toys. But Christmas won't be fun and games for naughty girls and boys. Santa's watching, Santa's waiting, everybody's celebrating. Did you do your best this year? Santa's watching, Santa's creeping. Now you're nodding, now you're sleeping. Were you good for mom and dad? Santa knows if you've been bad. There might be a treat for you in Santa's bag of toys. But Christmas won't be fun and games for naughty girls and Silent Night, Deadly Night. I should have let you do that. Your voice is much better. <laughs> Silent Night, Deadly Night. <laughs> Perfect. Holy shit. 1984. production. Uh, yeah. Quinn Martin production. Yeah. <laughs> Ching. Okay. Also known as Sleigh Ride. Yes, it was actually shot under the title Sleigh Ride. Which I think is a great title, actually. Yeah. And it actually would not have been nearly as easy to rile up the PTA, I yeah. think, if, yeah. it would be, if it had you're been called right. Sleigh Ride. Yeah, they're probably actually you're probably right. They probably could have snuck it past some yeah, more people yeah, yeah. that way. Yeah, and I remember seeing the announcement in Fangoria. Oh, yeah. It's called that. Mm-hmm. Wow, you old. You're like real old. <laughs> well, it was in a reprint. <laughs> 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 okay, now just off the just off the bat, before we start going through the plot and talking about the film in detail, did anybody see this in the theater at the time? I did not. Okay, I didn't. I mean, I, I God knows I did not. Yeah. Well, like I said, this is this, I hadn't this, seen it until <laughs> until until oh, we're getting ready for this. This is my first viewing of it. I didn't realize that till I started watching it. I was confusing it with probably Christmas Evil or something else. I mean, I was I was confusing it with some other film, and and when I started watching it, I was like, oh, I've never seen this before. So yeah, I'm I'm a newbie newbie to this one. Well, that's cool. I, I, I'm glad that uh, I came. I came to it, you know, a little over a decade ago, and mm-hmm. Hudson's known of it 
for about 20 long, years, I 20 guess. Years, mid-90s. So, yeah, yeah. So there's a good spread of uh, having mm-hmm. lived with the film for different mm-hmm. amounts of time, mm-hmm. and it's going to be interesting to to hear what Jan Newby Troy yeah, thinks of the film right. initial, on initial viewing. <laughs> and I'm jealous. I mean, it's like <laughs> discovering Citizen Kane. <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah. It's, except, except not. Yeah, except not. <laughs> okay. The film starts in 1971, where we see five-year-old Billy Chapman and his family go to visit his grandfather in a nursing home. And on the way there, they're listening to a great song, Christmas Fever. Yeah, yeah. Oh God. <laughs> okay, well, listen, listen. I gotta already ask you, Hud, because you would know. Uh, or you, do you have the soundtrack or that uh, didn't it come out on? Did, did this ever actually get officially released on I vinyl? I think a few it years has ago? actually just come out or is about to come out. Uh, there's because they're doing so many vinyl reissues. Right, things. it's I hard don't to keep up it. with. Yeah, you can get it uh, through the special audio antenna. Oh yes, yes. You can oh, download it that way. Because there's a I've lot. Of, there was that. a lot of music written for this film. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a lot. Yeah, of I stuff know, which here, is but, very strange. But on the audio, did either you guys have? Did you guys listen to the audio commentary? I did. Okay, yeah. you know they they because on that they're saying like, well, I think this is coming out on 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 you know it's going to be released the soundtrack. But at that point, they obviously didn't know. So so you don't know if it's actually officially been coming out. But I don't. No, for sure, but it seemed like I saw just recently that it was either out or about to come yeah. out. Well, you think now that it's just gotten this nice Blu-ray presentation, that's going to, if anybody was tempted, if any company was tempted to put it out, that would surely, you would yeah. think, push them over the edge and say, like, yeah, let's do this, let's you put this think out. think so, and so, if it yeah. hasn't come out, I can't, I don't know what the reason would be, because, yeah. I mean... Oh, yeah, this Blu-ray was a 30th anniversary yeah. edition, so this is a two-year-old Blu-ray that's at this true, point. Yeah. So, that's true, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if they if they wanted to tie it to the release of the Blu-ray, they they missed their opportunity. But maybe they did, and we just aren't aware. Yeah, because there are so many companies specialized, and they're just throwing these things out here in these awesome vinyl sets now. So we might have missed it, might have missed mm-hmm. it. So, well, but it should be out there somewhere. Yeah, I mean, a lot of a lot of original music written for this uh, film, and a couple of the Christmas songs are actually pretty good. And yeah, I do. Well, I think well, Santa's Waiting is actually that's a good yeah, song. That's an actually is. very. I, I, that, I mean, it sounds. Especially in the way that they've recorded it for this for this movie, it sounds like just a song that I honestly, when I first watched the film, I thought this is just a standard I'm unaware of. Mm-hmm. That's how yeah, it's very convincing. Carefully, right? it fits how mm-hmm. well it fits within mm-hmm. the kind of standard Christmas songs that you would hear, you know, just anywhere kind of mm-hmm. vibe. It's got it right. Yeah. But like Christmas fever, I don't know about that. <laughs> I think we've all got Christmas fever this time of year. I do though like the uh, soundtrack in general to the film, like the yeah, yeah, it's too. it's electronic, it's well produced. Uh, I'm a fan as well, and and what's wild is that it doesn't uh, it it enhances the film just right, but it doesn't draw attention to itself. Except when those songs come in, mm-hmm. there aren't a lot of overt crashing uh, kind of jarring. Like uh, stings or anything like that at horror points, there there there's some there, but they 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 aren't offensive. They aren't the kind of thing that that draws you that like pulls you out and makes you go, oh, cheap electronic score or anything right. like that. It's pretty it, pretty well integrated into the picture, which is nice. Cool. Well, let's hear more about Billy Chapman's oh, Christmas. Oh, 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 Billy on, Chapman's Christmas. What happened? On- <clears throat> uh, uh, well, he and his family. He's five years old. He goes to uh, visit his grandfather. Who is a who's catatonic in this nursing home? He apparently uh, hasn't spoken in years. The rest of his family, his mother and his father, uh, and his baby his baby brother, walk away to talk to the doctors for a few minutes. And uh, ju- right then, old grandpa <laughs> shows that he's just he's just funning about that whole catatonia thing. <laughs> and he leans over and starts talking to Billy and talk tells him about how Santa Claus punishes the naughty. <laughs> <laughs> it's just fucking great. Oh, it is. It's great. You, that's 
Well, Billy it never has a chance. I know Billy's <laughs> no. just going to be just totally no. worked. His his brain is just getting pummeled by uh, <laughs> by old grandpa here. You know? And what's what's awesome? I know if you listen to audio commentary, the guys talk about that. Apparently, this that that. Quentin Tarantino and, and, and Robert Rodriguez just worship this movie and this scene especially. Oh yeah, Quentin uh, Tarantino apparently owns the print of the the film in his private collection. But uh, the, apparently they they talk about there was a some sort of a convention or screening or something where uh, Tarantino and Rodriguez actually got up in front of the audience and reenacted this entire scene word for word <laughs> from memory. <laughs> yes. Which, given the opportunity, uh, yes. so would I. Yeah. <laughs> because, oh my God, it's, it's, it's phenomenal. So this, of course, freaks little Billy out because he just... You know, he has the standard little kid vision of Santa Claus, which is he's this yeah, guy who yeah. comes on, you know, Christmas Eve and gives you mm-hmm. gives you gifts. But mm-hmm. his grandfather seems to have taken the Krampus legend mm-hmm. and kind of merged it yeah, with Santa right, Claus exactly. and yeah. gone, well, no, I mean, if you're good, he'll bring you gifts. If you're bad, if you've been naughty, mm-hmm. you're fucked. <laughs> he doesn't say that, but he just might as well have said that because he just terrifies little Billy. <laughs> clothes. If you see Santa, you better run, run boy. <laughs> no. I thought he said something like Christmas is the dangerous night of the year or something like that. That's awesome. <laughs> and the thing is, and this is something that I should have noticed the first time I saw the film, but it's really only recently while rewatching the movie for the umpteenth time that I took note of the fact that Grandpa could be playing Santa Claus. He's got white hair and a, white, a full white beard. Yeah. And you just look at him and you go, you know, if he weren't funning about that whole Catatonia thing, he was playing Santa Claus at the old mm. nursing home and started saying this shit. They'd cart his ass off to jail for yeah. child abuse. Yeah. <laughs> but here he gets away with it because he just starts faking that catatonia again when the parents show back up. I love how they come back and he's like, oh. Yep. Oh, right, no, back to just, that, yeah. <laughs> right back to that faraway look in his eyes that says nobody's home. <laughs> and poor little Billy is like, ah, uh, uh. ah. <laughs> yep, yep. And I've, I'm going to have to interrupt here again yeah. to say that the kid who plays little Billy is, is really he's good. Really, he's very good. He's yeah. I agree. fantastic. Yeah. If that kid were less a good child actor, this movie wouldn't work half as well as mm-hmm. it does because he's so convincing. There's a, a broad range within which child actors mm-hmm. can be good. Mm-hmm. And yet, so many of them just mm-hmm. grate on your nerves mm-hmm. or they mm-hmm. they they act like there should be a woodpecker whacking on the side of their head. Yeah. They're just there's you know there's either a vacant look in their eyes this kid's great, really and I don't is. know if he's just if he if the kid was just that talented because he didn't go on to do right. uh, many more many more films or anything like that. But as a little child actor, he's fantastic. Yeah, and he's got to carry a lot of weight for yeah, the time that he's yeah. on screen yeah. for about the first twenty minutes of this movie, and uh-huh. he's really good. Yeah, really yeah. good. You know about Santa Claus? He brings presents to all good boys and girls. <laughs> Your daddy told you that, didn't he? Well, I tell you something. Santa Claus only brings presents to them that's been good all year. To the ones that ain't done nothing naughty. Naughty. All the other ones. All the naughty ones. He punishes. What about you, boy? You've been good all year? You see Santa Claus? 
horse tonight. You better run, boy. You better run for your life. While driving back home, the Billy's family spots a car on the side of the road, and the movie has already shown us that this man whose uh, car has broken down in the Santa suit beside the road mm. and is waving for help is a criminal scumbag bank yeah. uh, right well not bank robber but uh, just uh, like, was it a liquor convenience store convenience store, store convenience robber, robber yeah who uh, will just will just like shoot people for no good yeah. reason whatsoever so there's a guy running around in a Santa suit on Christmas Eve taking advantage of the fact that he's in a Santa suit to catch people off guard and to rob convenience stores. And apparently, the, the sense I got was he also stole this car that's maybe broken down beside the road mm-hmm. and maybe yeah, not. That, yeah, yeah. he Don't left the convenience store in that car, but we don't know if it was his or just one that was in the parking lot. Right. So Billy's family sees this guy stopped on the side of the road, and it's a guy in a Christmas, Christmas. Uh, I mean, in a, in a Santa suit. And uh, the parents are like, oh, well, we, oh, should, we, look, should, we should help Santa, this guy. Yeah. And they even say to Billy, oh... Look, looks like you'll get Look, to see Santa. Yeah, which like is the worst Santa thing. Tonight, Billy tried to warn him. He did. He did. <laughs> he did. He does. Listen to your kids, parents. <laughs> As they pull over, the Santa-clad criminal shoots the father, mm-hmm. and then pulls the mother out of the out of the car, slits her throat. Uh, but to be honest, I was afraid that he was just going to rape her right mm-hmm. there in front mm-hmm. of the because he tore her top open. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then slit her through. Yeah, he's obviously he was planning to, but then when she slapped him, he took a front at that. You know, it's like and it's, cut it's, her it's just like, how dare you slap me? So, <laughs> then, so he cuts you. Know, All I did was murder. What was I doing? Yeah, your right, exactly. So mm-hmm. then he, so yeah, he kills her. And the whole time this is going on, Billy's little brother sequel is in the back seat, screaming <laughs> 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 his head off. See, I thought his name was Telegraph Shock Ending. I thought it was like, was, I thought <laughs> yeah. that was his name. <laughs> <laughs> so you're telling me you're telling me that the little infant child his name is not just Ricky Chapman it's, it's Ricky, Ricky sequel, sequel Chapman, Chapman. <laughs> yeah, aka Telegraph Shock Ending that's what all the kids at the orphanage call it yeah. aka Garbage Day Telegraph Shock right? Ending Telegraph Shock Ending <laughs> I am not. I am not. No one will ever see this coming. Yeah, like, yeah. Only anybody who's ever seen a slasher film. Yeah, you're right. Okay, well, Billy watches all this happen. And then, uh, I'll be honest, rewatching the film, I'm still surprised that uh, Ricky, the little the little kid, lived through this. Because I honestly thought that what was going to happen was the evil criminal Santa was going to go for and just start stabbing the kid. <laughs> <laughs> but we don't actually see what happened. And that's one of the weirder things about this yeah, movie, is. is that we don't see exactly the outcome of what happened with this no. criminal lunatic yeah. Santa. Because we just cut to a few years later. We just cut to mm. three years later, 1974. And we know that both kids survived. Mm. Um, Billy is Billy is three years older. So is Ricky, and they are of course in an orphanage now mm-hmm. that's run by the Catholic Church. Billy's working on an awesome mullet. Got that point. great mullet. <laughs> yeah, going. that's right. <laughs> He's I know, got I, kind of a little Ziggy star. Yeah, he really does. He's got. I know they should have dyed it like bright red. And I think it would have been perfect. <laughs> <laughs> well, the orphanage is run by uh, a mother by Mother Superior, mm-hmm. who's a strict disciplinarian who persistently. <laughs> strikes the children who misbehave and considers punishment for their wicked actions a very good thing. I just want to say, uh, I already have a problem with strict disciplinarians to begin with. And mm. to make her this mean-spirited uh, mm. 
Well, it's not over-the-top mean-spirited. You can see that this mm. woman, that the Mother Superior, honestly thinks that she's doing, she's doing the right, the right. thing. Mm-hmm. She thinks she's preparing this child to to handle the world and is trying to, in her ham-fisted, mm. cruel, and sadistic way, mm-hmm. help the kid. Mm. But uh, that that don't work out. Yeah. Uh, well, and and then and, and, and you know, it's she and the t- she and the others none that are running the place. It's definitely, Sister, definitely Sister Margaret. Definitely a good cop bad cop thing going on. Yeah, with those yeah. Two. Sister Margaret is the the only one who really sympathizes with the kids, and mm-hmm. and she tries to help Billy. You know, like socialize with the other kids, and and she. It's obvious she's got a big heart, and she doesn't. Mm-hmm. And she flat, she flat out actually has a conversation at one point with Mother Superior, saying that she does not agree with the way she mm-hmm. does things. Mm-hmm. She just doesn't have enough sway to to yeah. change anything, and. Again, a, sort of a random point, but you know, I have to say it now. Who agrees with me that that little drawing that Billy did in class was awesome? <laughs> yeah, it was. That kid's, <laughs> that kid's going places, man. <laughs> I know. I mean, you know, I know if, 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 if we we were kids and we one of our classmates had drawn that, we'd have been like, man, I want to be friends with you. <laughs> you <know? laughs> describe, describe the image. I love it because it's it's what it's Sa- Santa Claus just membering basically like, like a reindeer, like a reindeer's a bunch of. In front of a Christmas tree, too. Yeah. That's very okay. festive. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Lord God. So, of course, Billy is regularly punished because he he does he doesn't t- he doesn't take to authority well. Mm-hmm. Well, on Christmas morning, the orphanage invites, uh, of course, a, a, a man in a Santa Claus suit to come and and let and to visit the kids and to have them mm-hmm. sit on his lap and to to, to 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 you know to do the standard you know Christmas thing. Uh, Billy gets dragged by the Mother Superior into, and, he's, and she's going to force him to sit on Santa Claus's lap. She's convinced that this act of abject cruelty will will solve this problem, and he'll be over his whole Santa Claus problem, and this will this this will make it all fade away into the into the background. And of course. Billy just punches this Santa Claus. Oh, that's one of the most beautiful. Oh, yeah. oh it's a thing of that beauty. kid throws a haymaker. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it wasn't an, until like it took me a while to realize. You know, I have to think back on the film that you know because there's later in the film that that Billy does some things that I'm saying to think like okay, apparently this trauma gave him superhuman strength, and you know, but but I'm realizing like they're actually showing us even as a kid, he's like got apparently got the the power to to punch a grown man like across the room, you know, <laughs> off the chair and across the across the room. Well, so. what, I, what I love rewatching this. That's, that's you know there there are moments in in this film where you're 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 right you're right to question like wait a minute wait a minute yeah so I, I was watching it this time around and thought to myself well first of all talk about getting caught off guard yeah yeah right true yeah the last thing you, that, that some yeah. guy playing Santa for a bunch of orphans thinks is going to happen is this this damn little kid this eight year old kid is going to punch him dead in the face so I, I kind of understand because yeah. it bloodies his nose and he's laying yeah. there on the floor and his whole reaction is like what the hell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now the movie mm-hmm. skips 10 years later to mm-hmm. an adult Billy. So we've got an 18-year-old Billy now where uh, he's moved out away uh, moved out away from the or- orphanage is living on his own and sister Margaret is uh, helping him to uh, get a job in a local toy store. And uh, she she speaks to the owner of the store and um, at first the owner is a little reticent. Mm-hmm. But then uh, because basically the only job he's got is in the stock room and then uh, he sees the giant muscular thing yeah. that Billy has become at the age of 18 mm-hmm. and realizes, no, 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 we can do this. Okay, that's fine. Like, this guy can pick up some boxes just fine. Yeah, yeah pretty, pretty, pretty much. And, and I will say that the, the young man playing, the, playing Billy at the age of 18 is both a, a handsome man, a muscular man, mm. 
And he does a pretty good job of this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just came out just the other day. I think actually maybe just last night or today, there was an article published on uh, Bloody Disgusting oh, where, really? they ta- where they talked to him. Oh, because wow. He didn't. He didn't uh, go on to do much in uh, in film, but he in the past couple of years has has come back and has started doing a few movies as well, <laughs> including one that just came out this year, which is kind of Christmas themed, but isn't a horror movie. Mm. But uh, he needs he, to be doing the convention Yeah. But he went through a period <laughs> where, when the controversy broke about this movie mm. originally, he kind of sided. He he like had a change of heart after making the film and kind of sided with the people who were protesting the movie mm, mm. in the, in the ensuing years, he's, he's kind of realized that was, that yeah. was really stupid. Yeah, and yeah. the, the, you know, yeah. he, 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 and it was, he, he described it as, I think in the late nineties, early two thousand, he was like, this is, that's not, that's not, that was BS. That was total bullshit. And so that's when he started doing the convention circuit and, and being, you know, being pretty happy about the fact that the movie's a cult film now and he's kind of known for it. And like I say, now he's, he's, uh, he's apparently had a completely successful other, other career, you know, in, uh, in just a, what, what I would refer to as the normal world. Mm-hmm. And he's, you know, married, got kids and the whole nine yards and, uh, seen a photograph and he's bald now. Either <laughs> I think he just shaves his head, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he's moved back into doing a few movies the past couple of years, which is, Kind of cool. cool. Yeah, it's yeah, also it's, it's also nice to have this guy coming out and talking about this movie. Yeah, yeah, that's really neat. I wish I'd seen that. That's uh, that's cool though. But yeah, he does pretty good at kind of playing the little fish fish out of water kind of mm-hmm, thing. Yeah. Right now that he's, you can tell in a lot of ways he's still a kid. You know, he's, he hasn't really matured. You know, in the same because he's been in this orphanage and kind of yeah. damaged anyway. So he's sort of. He's you know he's 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 definitely an innocent here, and, uh, and you definitely get the sense that yeah, innocent is the is the right word. Yeah. It's clear he's probably never had a girlfriend, and so he's just moving out of the into the real world because he it's it's obvious that he develops a crush on one of his coworkers, uh, Pamela, who is very crush worthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's and she's he has uh, he has very obvious sexual thoughts about her that uh, we are uh, shown <laughs> when we enter a dream sequence, which ends with her getting stabbed. So <laughs> it's. Uh, which, yeah, so it's clear that he still got some yeah. real problems. The movie makes it clear that you know the guy functioning day to day is is okay, but he's mm-hmm. there are certain. It's like uh, having the rails. You need this is a guy who, while bowling, is going to need the rails up because <laughs> that ball is going to start going to one side or the other just naturally, yeah. and it's. It's going to go in the gutter if you don't have something in the way. <laughs> and we, we get that great sequence, so that montage of him working at the toy store where yeah. the boss is giving him that look like, yeah, good kid. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's, he's interacting with customers. He's, oh. good, he's good with the kids. Yeah. He's yeah. picking up boxes. Yeah. And, now, can't, and, go ahead. They're playing that great song, Warm the Side awesome of the song Door. Warms, yeah, warm, <laughs> warm Side of the Door. Now, that is... Yeah, okay. Like. Now, let's discuss... <laughs> This shitty song, and I'm sorry, I just telegraphed, I, I just telegraphed my feelings about this shitty song. This song, this yeah, song, yeah. This uh, but how do you guys feel about this song? I think this song is incredible. Uh, okay, allow me to. I sitting there thinking, oh, I looked at, I looked at the list of, you know, if you if you go on like Wikipedia, look at the, you know, list all the songs that are written for the film, and it's like 20 songs. I'm like, but only three or four I make it. How, why did, how did this one make the cut? You know, these, these songs, you know. But allow me to trans. Translate for you, uh, everyone listening. Allow me to translate for you, Hudson to normal human. When Hudson laughs in that laughter that he had just a moment ago, and claims something is fantastic or wonderful or, or whatever, he has gone insane. And he is either, and I've never been able to completely determine which it is. He is either 
lying directly to you <laughs> or is deluded enough to believe what he's saying and that does not make it better. Well, <laughs> if I can illustrate this, is one thing I love about uh, is something between uh, John and his, his, uh, his, his long-suffering and very patient uh, fiance, who is a wonderful woman, and uh, yes, yes. they they actually have a code for a film. Whether it's is is it good or is it evil? Speak good because once <laughs> because John's John's fiance is incredibly uh, an incredibly good sport about it. And she's very yep. willing to yep. you know, and she enjoys horror movies, and she liked very many of the things that John has <laughs> taken her to see. But once they went to see Evil Speak, and that did not make the the grade. The and so now, <laughs> since then, when John says, let's go see this film that's playing, it's really good, she will ask, is it good or is it Evil Speak good? So <laughs> she, has, she has learned this yeah, harsh learned lesson this, that's right. well, yeah. well. Because this, she now has a terminology for and it. And she's right, but this song... Is evil speak good? <laughs> okay, good. That, that clarifies that. That clarifies it. That song is fucking horrible. So, <clears throat> I will say that during this sequence, there's some cool stuff that's going on. Like, for instance, yes, all the... All the toys in the background. Okay, I want to talk Let's about this product about placement. This, Actually, this, I don't think you can call it product placement because, product placement because it was all done illegally, yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> well, that's just it. None of this is product placement. This is just them uh, them uh, filming either inside an actual toy store, mm. which I think it probably was, yeah. or them stocking their own toy store to shoot inside of. And so what you have is... All the toys that you would have seen yeah. in Christmas circa 1983 when this was shot. Well, yeah, but don't you think that if Kenner saw this, they'd be calling bullshit? You know, this. I mean, it's like, I mean, you can't you, you can't tell me that this film's budget that they like actually bought the rights oh, God, to no. show. But but it's amazing that they. I, I was really hoping on the audio commentary that the guys would would acknowledge or say something about how they managed to get away with that. But maybe they're still afraid there's a statute of limitations and they just are not Could hoping. Be. Hoping they're you don't safe. notice. They're not safe yet. We're hoping you don't notice all these Jabba the Hut playsets right behind. <laughs> you know, the, you know, but I was just looking at it, it was amazing. I was like, God, how did they get away with what's showing all these like, you know, really legitimate, really, you know, from big toy company stuff here. So, yeah. Well, see, a lot of that. And I wonder about this because I know that there used to be a certain uh, free range given to and then, you know, that kind of thing because it was considered free advertising. Well, and I've wondered, and, and everybody has gotten so much more. I mean, the whole litigation and licensing and everything has become such big business mm-hmm. now that I also wondered that, too. It's like at this time. You know, maybe they did actually. It might have not really cost them all that much to be able to do this. Yeah. To or it may not have been even a consideration because, where yeah. anybody would have mattered. Not or would have cared. Yeah. Anyone, would, anyone would have cared. I don't um, know. Yeah. Up until the, gosh, the later 80s. Um, and I'm sorry, Rod, I'm going to talk about pro wrestling for just a second. <laughs> <laughs> but pro wrestling, like the weekly television shows and the pay per views, like the wrestlers' entrance themes, like the Road Warriors used to come on to Iron Man. And handsome Jimmy Valiant would come on to Boy from New York City, and Rock and Roll Express would be rock and roll all night. Not a penny in licensing going to anybody, and nobody really cared for the longest time. And then suddenly the, you know, the musicians and songwriters, everybody said, "Well, you guys can't do that." And it may have been the same way for the toys, which is the reason that now, now, which is the reason that now, when that stuff is, if anybody's trying to officially reissue anything like that, then they suddenly see what a tangled web of licensing they got to go through to be able to get any of that stuff approved. Well, on the WWE Network, they just overdub all of it. Oh, I know. It's like the nightmare that they went through when they realized um, what what hell they were going to have to go through just to issue WKRP in Cincinnati on mm-hmm. video mm-hmm. Yeah, because right. of all the song licensing nobody put you know, that when they when they signed those contracts initially mm-hmm. it was just for broadcast rights nobody thought about yeah. possibly selling this you know these episodes of a television show to anybody on videotape or DVD mm-hmm. or anything years down the road That's right. and so 
some of it they could get and some of it they couldn't. It's just a question of how much money is being asked now because they had to renegotiate. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, we're mm-hmm. talking about a period where maybe nobody gave a damn and yeah. it was just considered free advertising. Yeah. Free advertising to have your toys in the background of the shots of this film. I don't know. That's probably right. I saw a few toys that I would like to buy. Yeah. 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 Hell yeah. The job of the hut place had looked pretty cool, but did you guys spot the crawl board game? Yes, I did. No, I missed that. I didn't (laughs) see the crawl board. Oh my God. I didn't know. Wow. I missed that one. Yes. I saw that. There were a number of very cool. There was a Dick Smith monster makeup. I saw that. I saw the Dick Smith monster makeup kit. That was pretty amazing Mm -hmm. to see there. Yeah. There's also a Popeye the movie board game. Oh, yes, there was. Briefly. From the Altman film. You're right. Mm -hmm. It's. Because kids love Robert Altman toys. <laughs> <laughs> well, I still have my McCabe and Miss Miller set. Yeah. And the Lego set. Yeah. <laughs> Nashville Lego set. The yeah. Nashville Lego set and the three women Lego set. Yeah. Three women Lego set. Now, now that, great, yeah. that is a great set. <laughs> anyway. I'm just picturing the McCabe and Mrs. Miller Western set with like all the cowboy figures are just like sitting around a table, like just sitting around there, talking. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, they have the outdoor <laughs> version. <laughs> It's the fake Lego snow that sells it. Okay? It's the fake Lego snow that really makes you feel as if you're inside that film. Santa's watching, Santa's creeping. Now you're nodding, now you're sleeping. Were you good for mom and dad? Santa knows if you've been bad. For you in Santa's bag of toys, but Christmas won't be fun and games for naughty girls. Well, as we get closer to Christmas, Billy has a problem because the person who normally plays Santa Claus for the toy store uh, has broken his arm or injured himself in some way, has been written out of the script. How's that? <laughs> And despite his protestations, it's ice skating, yeah, or something, it's ice skating. Yeah, yeah it is. There it is. That is it. Yes, it that was? is it. Yes, oh. yes, it was. It was. I thought you were trying point. to relate this to the film Curtains. I wasn't sure. <laughs> no, but let's talk about Curtains. <laughs> yeah. That, that movie's not, great. Not, not in this episode. <laughs> and I'm willing to talk about Curtains, but not right now. Uh, Billy is coerced into uh, dressing up as Santa Claus for for Christmas Eve for the store. This cannot end well. <laughs> Now, Billy is definitely nervous about it, and clearly he has not made his uh, Santa Claus problems known. So some of the blame could be placed on Billy for not uh, owning up to being a Santa Claus wussy. But he wants to be a good employee, you know, yeah. getting him the credit for it. Especially because his... The, the jerk in the back has been kind of giving him a hard time. And you think that guy's yeah. a jerk? What what what, what makes you think that that guy's like? I think he suffers from little man assholeitis. <laughs> I think yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, he does one of the great lines though. I like the way they talk about it. it was an improv line too. Those guys in the audio commentary. They said that you know, where he tells Billy's like. Because Billy's always watching that girl. He's, he's obviously starting mm-hmm. to fall for the girl. The guy tells him like he's something like he's he said said you're, look, you're making eyes like a like a moon goon moon, moon goon. <laughs> and one, one of the guys in audio commentary just hates that. He's like God, I hated that line. He goes, but he totally said he told that's he said that's his one improv line was moon goon. <laughs> 
Well, after uh, after they close up the store on Christmas Eve, uh, I love I love the guy who plays the the, the owner of the of the store. That guy's is great. He, he is, really is. He great. is he's, he's, a, he's a great character actor with a with a long string yeah, of IMDb of credits. Film, yeah. He did a lot of television and and several movie roles, and he's just he's really cool, great in this because he locks it up. It's Christmas oh, Eve. You guys are the greatest, greatest like, line in the film. Let's get shit faced. I know. Is that, and, it, it, and it's like the entire all the employees they break out the booze and they just like oh yes it's time to drink. I bet and that's your look, first line, huh? Every time, every day oh, when you get in the car from work, and I bet your first thing you say, "Let's get shit face." Crack open the bottle for the drive home. Yeah. Uh, I do have to say, Billy is a good Santa when that little girl's on his lap. I don't know why people have a problem. Oh, oh man, he's oh, just oh, yes. She will, I, she will treasure that I, memory. I will say this. I say this. I had to capture that audio. No, good, 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 <laughs> good. good. What you're doing? You're being naughty. Right on Santa's lap. I don't bring toys to naughty children. I punish them severely. That's right. Stop it. Or I'll have to punish you. He sure knows how to handle kids. He's great, isn't he? Mommy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> she on the other hand is is not that good. I mean, her look of she's With a the, little girl. Yeah, well, just when she you know covers covers her mouth like she's a sausage, it's it's, oh, a, it's it's like not. But you know, like I said, kids are kids. Yeah, you know, you can't spend too yeah, much time yeah. trying to coax the thespian out of them. It's just like okay. <laughs> but her her reaction is, is sometimes is, you just have to get them on camera and, and get stick, your, a, get, stick them with a pen or show yeah, them a photograph exactly. of a kitten kitten on fire and get something out of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, while while the uh, booze starts to flow, Billy sees uh, Pamela in the uh, who foolishly goes in the back room with the asshole coworker. Right, and we see, he sees Pamela nearly being raped by the the, the coworker, and this psychologically triggers. Uh, well, shall we say his problem, mm-hmm. and uh, <clears throat> violence ensues. He he goes in. He hangs Andy with a string of Christmas lights, demonstrating. An intensely large amount of upper body strength. I was going to say, that's when we're saying, like, okay, apparently his trauma gave him super strength because, yeah, he, like, wraps the Christmas lights around his neck and lifts the grown man and with one hand off the ground and basically well, he, hangs he is him a, by his... He yeah. is a short fucker. That's so. true. That's true. But, you know, we do see uh, Billy without a shirt on. And oh, he's, one, yeah, he's one, ripped. He's, he's ripped. ripped. He definitely ripped. is. Yeah, yeah, he really is. Um, but it doesn't stop with that because Pamela doesn't react well, and mm. uh, he ends up stabbing Pam with mm. a utility knife. Darkly uttering that punishment that yeah. is good, <laughs> and so uh, that becomes the byword of the film. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So here we have the, uh, the 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 word that I think most people who are fans of this movie are always going to use to be uh, an mm. identifier for mm. other fans. You you say this to yeah. someone else around the Christmas season, and if someone is a fan of Silent Night, Deadly Night, they are going to respond properly, mm. and that word would be punish. punish. <laughs> <laughs> it's a perfect, by the way, it's a perfect it little catchphrase. It's awesome. 
and not as obvious as you think it would be naughty, you know. But it's not. It's even. It's 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 no, funny. Yeah. It's it's more clever than that. You know, I love punish. Punish is perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, see, naughty would work as well from this film, but no, it's, would, pu- yeah. it's punish that is yeah. the best signifier. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, after he murder, <laughs> well, he he after after he does this, he uh, his his boss, his very drunken boss, by this mm. time. I love the fact that they've let a little time pass, and so Mr. Sims is oh, wasted. Yeah. yeah, stumbles into the back room, wondering where everybody is, and. Uh, he uh, he offs Mr. Sims with a hammer, claw hammer to the head, mm-hmm. which uh, mm-hmm. is kind of uh, kind of gruesome because when the blood splatters against that box, it looks it, like there's brain yeah, material. It's, yeah, I know it's a it little is. little soupy there, a little, little chunky. <laughs> yeah. yeah, little 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 chunky. <laughs> then he chases uh, after his uh, coworker, Mrs. Randall, who's mm-hmm. a, a hoot. She's fun mm-hmm. in this film. Mm-hmm. I love that actress, and I mm-hmm. like the I like the performance that she gives. Uh, and uh, he chases after her with a with an axe. Uh, but uh, she kind of gets away and she's to the door when he takes her out by shooting her with a bow and arrow <laughs> right through the back. Yeah, those really lethal kind that they sell in kids' toys. Oh, see, that's just there. it. <laughs> Almost says the age of the that's, lawn dog. That's true. So. That's right. This was, yeah. Precisely. Yeah. That's, that's just it. That's one of the things I think a modern viewer would, yeah. would, would watch that scene. I think they would see it and yeah. think, wait a minute, what? And yeah. I'm going... You don't understand. No, yeah, I was gifted on mm-hmm. several Christmases as a kid with actual lethal bows and mm-hmm. arrows, mm-hmm. and uh, let me tell you, they definitely were because we uh, we killed a chicken with that damn. Thing, so. <laughs> wow! So <laughs> let's just say you learn how to lead a chicken, <laughs> and you can kill that fucker, and then panic afterwards because that was a bad idea. So. Yes, yes, real bones. After you shake it a few times and realize it's not coming back to life, you know, it's like, come on, come on, we were just kidding. No, 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 quite honestly, (laughs) when that thing hit the ground and flopped over three or four times Uh, and didn't move again, that was a long walk to that dead chicken. (laughs) 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 Oh, I think we may have carried, you're looking around at your friends and you're like, oh, we we may have carried this one a bit too far. (laughs) Well, the bad news is I killed the chicken. The good news is I'm a good shot. (laughs) Exactly. Because <laughs> shooting at the hay bales with the yeah. target, it just was not fun enough. <laughs> so, uh, uh, Sister Margaret discovers the carnage and returns to the orphanage to seek help via telephone. No, what? Uh, going back a little bit there, oh, I sorry. think it's like, doesn't she? The whole reason she's there, and I love the fact that the she's there, she gets. She finds out well, she over finds the phone out that he's, play, that that he's, he's playing Santa Claus. And I love the way she instantly knows. That's I mean, not good. Yeah, she, oh, she's just shit. like, "Oh, this is going to be bad," you know. And so there's yeah, no so question. She comes, the, she comes to the store after Billy has left. You almost expect her to say, "Like, has he killed anybody yet?" You know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> Have there been any murders? How many bodies are there? Shit. Yeah. <laughs> You're gonna need a good supply of body. Yeah. <laughs> well, Sister Margaret, Sister Margaret returns to the or- orphanage to seek help, and uh, Billy breaks into a nearby house where a young couple named Denise and Tommy, are having sex on a pool table. Yeah, people really pick some comfortable places to have sex in this. Yeah, um, and, and you're not going to cover that one up when you're done either. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to lay something underneath. Okay, so um, I do want to say something about, you know, list, I think we mentioned it earlier in the show, but we'll say again that, uh, or maybe we did it, I don't know, but our director, have we mentioned that the director is oh, actually yes. primarily known for Christian films, and I don't know if there's a connection, but I think like the... Most, Charles E. Sellier yeah. Jr. Yeah, I think the most uh, I think these sex scenes in this film are about the most awkward of the uh, scenes in the in the film. Uh, yeah, because uh, you're watching, and you're like, whoever made this film thinks there's only one position that people make love in. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. There's more than one. <laughs> 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 or 
are you sure? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I just, you know, I think there's maybe there's only one that's sanctioned, I think, by by uh, <laughs> by the by by the the church, by the mother church there. So, but yes, but these, <laughs> that would be <laughs> bending over a crucifix, yeah. begging Christ's forgiveness while being Roger roughly from behind. Is that what? Is that right? Am I correct? You watch too many Ken Russell films. Yeah. <laughs> but have you seen either? You seen any of this guy's other movies? Like you know, I'm not. I'm all not of a sudden, I know classic of films. Oh. I bet you remember the trailers, like. In Search of Historical Oh, yeah, Jesus, and all that stuff, yeah. Did he do Noah's Ar- he did Noah's In Search Ar- of Noah's Ark? Yeah, okay, Beyond and Back, which is one, was really creepy, the one where you the, yeah. the death experiences, mm-hmm. Beyond mm-hmm. and Back. Yeah. Well, to me, it was I weird the, to I find remember out. when they were playing yeah. at the theaters, but yeah. I rarely yeah. ever went to see To me, it's weird to those. find out that he was like one of the main movers and shakers behind the Grizzly Adams Grizzly Adams, yeah, that's right, sure was, yeah. Uh, which which is wild, and all, also of course that you know he's continued on through mm-hmm. the '90s and the mm-hmm. early 2000s, yeah. making a whole lot more Christian documentaries yeah. and religious documentaries, which of course makes this thing st- this and the film he made right after this snowballing. No, oh, yeah, <laughs> really stand out. Well. You know, I think this film overall is pretty well made, and it's—I mean, yeah, I think it's, it's pretty it's well yeah, made, and, and he, it's, it's and well directed, he, it's well edited. Well, that's he, why he's a co-director on this. He, he admits yeah. up front that a lot of the the mm. violence sequences were actually directed by his uh, was it cinematographer? Uh, his last name was Spence. Mm-hmm. Might have been the editor, or it was a cinema. Oh, the editor. editor. You're right. I'm sorry. By Michael Spence. He's yeah, kind of yeah. he's really kind of the uncredited uncredited co-director on yeah, the film because yeah. he shot. A lot of the second unit and mm-hmm. and, and a lot of the mm-hmm. mo- most of the scenes of violence. So mm-hmm. that is true, but it it does seem there's a part of me now that wants to see Snowballing, which mm-hmm. is a PG rated sex comedy, which means that it's not going to have that's my favorite thing. Yes, it's, yeah. <laughs> but. <laughs> but. But someone who does have you, some of your favorite things and is, uh, oh, and is a future star, a future star in the making here that's, uh, that's uh, on Leanne, the pool table Leanne, here. Yep, Leanna Quigley. Linnea Quigley. Oh, Linnea Quigley. Oh, my God, I mispronounced her name. I was distracted. <laughs> People have heard the Nagy cast, they expect you to, to mispronounce right. names, right? <laughs> yes, but these are all, these should all be, I've met Miss Quigley. <laughs> yeah. Surely to God I can pronounce the woman's name. Or was I just staring at her cleavage again? Anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> We're seeing her. We're seeing her here, right on the cusp of stardom, because mm-hmm. this is the same year she made Savage Streets. She yep. uh, she actually had already made about fourteen or fifteen films at this point, but she this one and she's right. A year later, she's going to make Return of the Living Dead, which is really the one yeah. that puts her on the map there. You know, and, and I think between of, Savage Streets and this one, she had her first boob job. Yeah, and, uh, and yep. yes, and, and yeah, there's definitely some some. Uh, yeah. yeah, we can definitely tell there's a little bit of uh, shaping going some on, growth, some yes. enhancement. Yes, yes. So, shall but we say she does though? In all seriousness, kind of jump off the screen. She's got yeah, that yeah, yeah, sort of yeah. goofy charisma that she mm-hmm. always had. The mm-hmm. cam the camera loves her. She's got mm-hmm. a there's a there's a bouncy enthusiasm. I'm not talking about her breasts. There's, a, there's yeah. an enthusiasm that comes through mm. when you see her on screen. Mm-hmm. She's there. Yeah. There's there is something there. So yeah. yeah, it's it's clear that she probably was going to to have some kind of career on screen, and of course it took that mm. <laughs> took it took Return of the Living Dead to mm. just really punch it through. Yeah, and dancing naked on a tombstone yeah. will do that, I guess. <laughs> yeah, which I because mean, in this film she's pretty bashful. Yeah. <laughs> she's wearing panties the whole time <laughs> she oh, goes she the door the, that's open, the best man that's her tits <laughs> hanging, <laughs> the cat open the front door for like a it, minute <laughs> kitty 
<laughs> not only for going but in subarctic temperatures, you know, and she's just like looking at plus with a bunch of carolers right across the street is what I love too, you know, and she's just like, well, that, 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 that's the thing is like now I, I kind of want to learn more about Denise, but of course mm. she's dead now, but I kind of yeah. want to learn more mm. about her. How much of an exhibitionist was she? Yeah. Was it she that wanted to mm. fuck on the pool table? I'm just curious. <laughs> it's like, is there a, is there a part of public display that, that turns her on? Mm. It's like, I'm probably thinking too much about this. I'll, bit, go, I'll go be in the corner for a while. <laughs> we'll talk she's about a little bit of a sadist too, as she gets a guy worked up there, and then she like, you know, I gotta go do something, you know, and let the cat in. Yeah, let the cat in. I know it's like, <laughs> which is quite a difference in hearing because she can hear the cat's collar all the way downstairs, but he can't hear her getting the shit kicked out of her and, and <laughs> impaled and impaled on antlers. Let's explain this yeah. because this this is the scene where Billy. Sees the naked woman calling for a cat. <clears throat> There's a joke to be had there. Decides clearly punish, this woman is punish, not punish, you know, punish. This woman is naughty. Deserves some punishment. Yeah. Uh, busts in the the styrofoam front door. Mm-hmm, or yeah. Possibly balsam wood. Yeah. Or possibly, mm-hmm. if I'm really nice, some kind mm-hmm. of uh, very movie breakaway door. Mm-hmm. It still looks like styrofoam. Anyway, <laughs> busts in through the door with his axe. And you think he's going to axe her. He even, like, throws the axe and it sticks in the wall next to her. Mm. And that old 1970s wood paneling, I'd yeah. like to point out, makes me feel like my childhood. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We had it, too. Yeah, right. <laughs> but he gets inventive and picks her up and impales her on the the antlers of mm. a deer whose mm. head is hanging on the wall. You got mm. your, your average taxidermy deer mm. head on the wall. And that is, without a doubt, probably the most memorable kill that it's possible to have in this film because Mm -hmm. there's no way to forget it once you've seen it it's well done they do they do uh effective wide shots the close-up shots uh are are good enough to pass muster and uh the follow-up the follow-up shots are Mm -hmm. nicely done as well yeah of her hanging from from the wall those are fantastic Yeah. 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 yeah yeah and the neat thing is to have found out via the commentary track on the blu-ray that that was not planned. That originally in mm. the script she was just going to be killed by him with an axe. Mm-hmm. But on the set, mm-hmm. that collaborative thing happened, and they they someone came up with the idea of hey, what if he impaled her on the deer antlers? And they took the extra time and came back mm. and shot it the next day, and that's what ends up in the film. And it becomes this ridiculously over the top iconic moment of violence that the that once you see, you never forget. And that's kind of one of the magic things about filmmaking, not to go all rhapsodic about a slasher film from 1984, <laughs> but it is those Raps kinds away, of away. <laughs> but it is those types of of on the fly creative things that happen when you're mm. doing a collaborative mm-hmm. bit of art. And of course, we're talking about a slasher film. I realize this, people, yeah, but it's still one you. of those things that wasn't planned. Right. Idea happened. Everybody worked together. Mm-hmm. It came together very effectively, yeah. and it's just unforgettable. Yeah, and it's it's nice. It's nice to to to, to have found that out because I just always assume oh. that's just such an iconic thing. It had yeah, we, to have been the original idea. And what you mentioned too, if we haven't already sold you on the Blu-ray of this, it's also pretty much the uncut. Like they found every bit of footage that they yes. can, and so there will be times when the footage has deteriorated some. But it's worth it, I think, to be able to see yeah. everything that was supposed to be there. You know, yeah. there's times you oh, can yeah. honestly and tell, it's, and it's and it's brief stuff. It's not that it's, much. Yeah, yeah. Every just every now and then, a few frames will be a little ding. Little, you know, it's similar it's to just, the My Bloody Valentine right. Blu-ray, if you've yeah. seen that. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. the kill one, this actually just popped up a few days ago. If you uh, haven't, you should follow Linnea on uh, Instagram. And she posted a picture of something a fan had sent her where a fan had done a custom Christmas tree ornament of Linnea hanging from the deer antlers. <laughs> 
and of course the film she's topless oh, in the, what in a the great ornament one. he put yeah. a little sign on like a cardboard sign that just says punish oh wow <laughs> great that that that's that guy gets points for some imagination there yeah, yeah, and the ornament nice. looked fantastic oh, so that's great follow me on instagram well, go back just a couple of weeks and you'll see the picture it's great well the woman has 142 credits currently on imdb so let's give it up for linnea no, yes, yes quite a, quite yes, a career indeed. quite a yes, career indeed. and uh if I'll, I'll be the name dropper here although rod mentioned earlier i think that he met the woman oh yeah if you ever have a chance to meet linnea at a convention she's very dude, nice. she's she's really really cool to talk she's to. sweet yeah. as can be yeah, yeah she really is yeah i've uh yeah i met her uh yeah too at wonderfest a few years ago and she was just really 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 nice person as a matter so. of fact i think when we met her we got we uh she was uh she was in the room we actually had a cup we had at least one other cast member from return of the living dead and yeah, uh, that was that's right. Because that's right. It was James Karen, right? James, James Karen was there too. Yeah, and they were telling stories yeah, and yeah. back and forth about that and about a couple of other things that they'd worked on. And that was actually just a ball of fun. Very cool. Oh, that was yeah, that was fun. The mm. the drinks were flying. It was good. It was a good time. Good time to be at <laughs> ball. So anyway, actually, where we're going to well, we we've just impaled uh, Linnea, and it's and meanwhile her her deaf boyfriend, her deaf boyfriend, <laughs> yeah, is down there still. <laughs> Yeah. And that is one of the things you kind of have to <laughs> yeah, give this yeah, one at this point like, because okay, yeah. if they shot, they, they they needed to do something because clearly if the original idea was he comes in, briefly chases her and kills her with the axe, then that's enough, yeah. that's a brief enough period of time for the boyfriend to go, what the fuck? And then they yeah. come upstairs and to get his, to get his ass kicked as yeah. well. Well, they should at least have him maybe listen on headphones. They should have him, if they'd had him like listening to music on headphones, yeah. we might have could have bothered or something. Or just, just something really loud. With and, music playing. Well, there was music, there was music playing, but, but nowhere near as loud yeah. as, yeah. Exactly. And it was you, the yeah. same music that Linnea was able to hear the cat's cat's Well, clearly Linnea in this film, her character Denise is a bionic woman. Yeah. That's the only thing that makes any sense, goddammit. <laughs> well, uh, I do say that when Billy comes upstairs to investigate where his uh, half-naked girlfriend has gotten to, the fight between him and Billy yeah. is, damn it, man, it's well choreographed and violent. Mm. Yeah, and Billy looks like, he reacts like he normally would. He's, all this peripheral vision is terrible. Yeah. He looks around the room and just doesn't yeah. even notice that his girlfriend's hanging from the deer. I know. I yeah, know. I know. Yeah, I love that too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was expecting to do the double take. Yeah. Well, I will say that that fight is pre- that fight is pretty yeah. amazing and, and and nicely intense. Yeah. And uh, you do not expect the the way the fight ends mm-hmm. to happen, mm-hmm. and it really works out well. But next we have a scene that um, honestly I always felt like this scene, the scene with the sledders, the bullies who steal the sleds <laughs> from the two guys and uh, get punished. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always felt like this was a scene that could have been in the film or not been in the film, but the beheading is so good. Oh, it's awesome! I yeah. was going to say. Now, this really is my favorite kill sequence it, in the film. Although I love, I love Linnea. Yeah. The, the way Linnea is, is is taken out is pretty amazing. But I just thought the editing and the way this shown and just something about those, you know, just the eeriness of those trees out in that yeah. silent snow. But I, first of all, I do have to say is, did we all feel like like that these guys are a little bit old for these to yeah. be playing these parts? But I think I know why. It's like, well, we don't want to put a a kid on a sled and have him beheaded but all these guys these bullies that come along and steal these guys sleds and these guys look like they're you know a little old for 25 yeah i thought that it i thought that it worked i agree with you about mm. the ages but right. i think that it worked because the two kids they steal from are clearly little, younger no they are definitely younger right but you're right with but the yeah. bullies who steal are yeah. obviously the, these older guys who are just being dicks on christmas <laughs> eve okay. and they love their sledding until like when the first guy goes down here he's like yeah. <laughs> And the next guy's like, hey, watch me. Woo! 
There's a, there's a part of me that wonders if these kids had not been imbibing to be this yeah. thrilled with sledding. I mean, I know it's Utah yeah. and all, but fuck, come on. But yeah, it's a, it's a really, you're right. I mean, it doesn't add or take away anything from the story, but it's just a well-done sequence that's really fun. Yeah, when the headless body the payoff, comes that's just perfect. and then the yeah. head rolls with it. <laughs> but just the way we step out and punish. It's the head roll. The head roll that is the perfect like little grace note to the scene. <laughs> that is great. And one sequence that comes in between the, the sledding and the deer killers mm-hmm. where the two cops are looking around and they see what they oh. think is the killer sneaking into the girl's bedroom. Oh, uh, and, yeah. 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 The thing I love is that this is a very small town where you figure not much crime ever happens and they do school guys are like, can you believe Christmas Eve and we've got to find Santa Claus? And it's like, <laughs> it just doesn't even phase them that four people that they it's all probably know have been rude and killed. <laughs> like right. Irv at the he, toy store. Yeah, right, like everybody would have hammer in his head. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> 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 well, to that to that degree, I mean, they they do bust into that house and scare the shit out of everybody, and it turns out that that, of course, is just a dad who's well, climbing into his climbing into his his his, his little kid's bedroom to play Santa for mm-hmm. her, and it's like yeah, yeah it's like holy fuck. Well, I mean, talk about traumatizing another kid. Yeah, yeah. you know, there's probably never been there probably is very few Christmas horror movies that have been made without a a at least one Santa mistaken identity. Yeah, because it's just an obvious thing. It's a perfect setup, and so most all of them always take advantage of that. You know, red herring. You know, if you got a guy in a Santa suit, that you're got to have somewhere, got to have a couple of, of uh, mistaken identity scenes, and so this one has a couple in it too. Great, and the well, and the, of course the worst yeah. coming up oh, on God, which yeah. is <laughs> when the, the the cop who seems to be a pretty competent cop, but is just given the wrong information and yeah. the wrong situation. Right when he goes, he goes to the orphanage the next morning, mm-hmm. sees. A Santa, a guy in a Santa mm. suit, approaching the kids out in the front yard on Christmas Day, and uh, mm-hmm. guns that fucker down because he won't respond to him, and it mm. turns out to be a local deaf, deaf priest, priest. <laughs> who yeah. plays Santa for the kids on Christmas Day, <laughs> which is like, kind of a crappy ooh. idea because he's not going to be able to talk to the kids. The kids are like, <laughs> "What's I want wrong a with Dolly <laughs> and an Easy Bake Oven?" He's got it. Huh? Is it, uh, Santa's lame. He can't understand what I'm saying. What's Santa wrong with him? Sucks. sucks, man. He can't understand what I'm saying. <laughs> but this is a tough town to to be Santa Claus. You no, know, it really is, man. Well, it certainly is going to be that way from now on. <laughs> well, uh, the town well, that, the dreaded Santa Claus. That, <laughs> or as the Mother Superior said, Santa Claus. <laughs> yeah, Santa Claus. Yeah. Uh, Mother Superior jumped the gun. Anyway, <laughs> so sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, well, uh, uh, the that cop whose last name is Barnes, uh, he soon gets axed by Billy as well, and that's actually a well done scene. It is, whole, yeah. this, that whole yeah, sequence that's pretty is good. pretty well done. Where he's, it the the guy playing the that cop is clearly fucked up about the situation mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. he still has to he still has to do his job. But mm-hmm. there's there's no you get the feeling this guy was never going to really completely recover from having gunned down a deaf mm-hmm. priest. In mm. front of a bunch of orphans. Right. But at the same time, what he did was fairly justified. I mean, it's like yeah. the sheriff had just yeah. sent yeah. the word out, you know, every There's unit received yeah. the killer's on his way, dressed as Santa. And, sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. Totally see why. Yeah. And he was reaching for a kid, you know. So, uh-huh. yeah, it was, yeah. No, I think, uh, yeah. No, I thought it was well, I thought it was plausible within the yeah. context. Yeah. Well, and that guy actually brings up something that 
I, I wanted to mention because I think it really works in the movies. Everybody in this thing looks like a real person. They do. Yes. Yeah. If yes. you made this movie now, everybody, of course, would look like Hollywood pretty actors. Well, we'll talk about it's, that. It's, in a moment. it's one okay. of the things I one of the things I love about seventies and eighties films is that yeah, people, all even like even guys. the so called even the romantic leads in films look like real people. You know, when you look at like mm-hmm. who are the top like male draws and male actors and female actresses you know the yeah. 70s that were considered attractive but also again just look like real people you know mm-hmm. well I mean like I say I, w- I would say that Robert Brian Wilson who plays the 18 year old Billy mm-hmm. Chapman in the mm-hmm. film is a good looking guy mm-hmm. I mean flat mm-hmm. out I mean not mm-hmm. just like a, a built well muscled tall blonde guy but he's actually a handsome fella mm-hmm. and he's probably the best looking person in mm-hmm. the movie mm-hmm. and I think that that's a smart bit of casting when you are making a film where everybody else looks like real people. Mm. He still looks like a real person. He's not mm. movie star handsome, right, right. but he's clearly a good-looking guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he looks like a good-looking guy you could actually see working at a toy store. Yeah, right. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. And so does the girl he has the crush on. Right. She's pretty, really but she's pretty, not like... But, yeah, 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 she's, she's not, not working at a grocery knock, store. Yeah, she's not a knockout, but she's obviously quite pretty. So, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. And that's another thing about this movie, and it's something that I love about movies from that period, mm-hmm. specifically mm-hmm. the 70s and 80s, mm-hmm. up to a point, because mm-hmm. it was... It's around the time of Top Gun where that kind of all went to shit. Right, right. Where there suddenly everybody decided there needed to be a gloss over mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. But where you were, you know, they were casting people because they looked like real people. Mm-hmm. And I, there came a shift, and by the end mm-hmm. of the 80s, it was in full effect where you cast people because they didn't look like real people, it seemed. Mm-hmm. It seemed yeah. you were trying to cast people who were. Uh, a kind of idealized version of mm-hmm. what you were aiming to cast. In other words, mm-hmm. we want not just someone who looks like a librarian, but someone who's a sexy librarian, right, or right. a sexy sheriff, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. a good-looking mm-hmm. pawnbroker, or whatever in the yeah. fuck. And it gets, to, it gets to the point where now I see someone who looks like a normal human being in a Hollywood film, and I kind of get weirded out. Mm. It's almost as if what happened? Mm. Somebody somebody snuck on the set and they just filmed on the But it's like all the sci-fi, you know, the, <clears throat> all the John Monster movies on sci-fi always have the uh, the the uh, you know the botanist, the female female botanist that's you know like you know, played by like a Playboy model or something, you know, <laughs> yeah. and they just you know. <laughs> it's like don't get me wrong. If you're talented enough, you can pull yeah, that off. Right, right. But I can't help that you. I can't help but think that you yeah. were cast for your tits. Yeah. <laughs> And that's, that's not right. they're nice. They're nice yeah, tits, right? But mm-hmm. so uh, due to his Santa suit, uh, Billy is let one, one of the orphans lets Billy in because he's like, "Oh, Santa!" Hey, Santa let's, there. let's him into the yeah. orphanage, and uh, we have what I thought was going to be when I first saw this movie. I thought it's going to be evil Santa versus Mother Superior. <laughs> Bring it on, bitches! Because at this point, <laughs> mother the Mother Superior is uh, is in a, in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Uh, so over the in, in the ensuing ten years. Her health has deteriorated to the point where she has to be in a wheelchair. And I'm like, yeah, spear her, axe her, do something to this mean-ass bitch. And uh, that's not exactly what happens. No, but one thing I thought was interesting is that she, yeah, Mother Spear, actually becomes kind of becomes kind of heroic in this scene. I she mean, which does. I thought was an interesting thing to do with that character, because that's not what you're set up to expect. What we're set up to expect, Rod, is what you were expecting, because, you know, we they've made her such an unlikable you know, yeah, even though we know that she cares about the kids in her twisted way, but at this end of the scene, you're right. I expected totally he was, she was going to get the axe right down the middle yeah. of the face, and she actually is trying to protect those kids. And yeah, you know, she's, she's actually kind of becomes herself. yeah, it's just like she's, okay, yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, that, that was kind of a neat thing to do with it. The fact I that thought. she's willing to take yeah. an axe if it's yeah. going to keep the kids safe is yeah. is is you know you yeah. kind of 
he kind of shifted into neutral with that character. Yeah, it's got like, okay, I got to give her credit for that. So, yeah. Well, she, uh, she goes out of her way to taunt Billy so that his attention is focused on her, which I think it might have been anyway. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then uh, as he's about to kill her with the axe, uh, the sheriff uh, comes, gets in the front door and shoots Billy, and that mm. is our evil Santa, our poor, deranged 18-year-old pretty boy. Never had a chance. Yeah. yeah. And these poor orphans see their second Santa shot to death Shanta, within yeah. about 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. So there's a whole room full of little sequels there. Well, and they the all they as, all drift off to other cities to take jobs as Santas, right? <laughs> well, as, especially as, one. Yeah. As Billy lays dying on the mm. ground, he utters to the nearby children, you're safe now. Santa Claus is gone before succumbing to his wounds. Mm. And of course, as the children gather around, his younger brother Ricky witnesses this <laughs> and coldly stares at Mother Superior and utters the word naughty. Yeah, little Brother sequel. AKA. Little Brother sequel. AKA Telegraph Shock Ending. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like, it's like I'm sorry if, if anybody didn't see that coming the minute they they they, they saw that, you know, that the minute they knew his little brother was there at the orphanage. Well, okay, you want to know how Mother Superior is like, he's such a good boy, not oh, like his older yeah, brother. Yeah, that was like, well, oh, just, that was like, know, just, okay, you lob it, lob it, lob it. Do you know what I actually thought was going to happen? Was, not what occurred. You thought he was going to reach up and grab his brother's balls and rip 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 his crotch out of his <laughs> holy shit I thought I was a sick wow this turned dark this turned dark fast no what no I, I just actually, thought I, I, every film should end with an homage thought, to pieces is what I'm saying that's true, yeah, that's that's true. Yeah. Well, well, I, I can't I can't I can't argue with that but what I actually thought was going to end up happening was that Billy would gain access to the orphanage and it his brother would actually stop him from doing something in which would have been cool which I thought been that too. what would happen is yeah. that his little brother would intervene because remember Billy's still got the costume on but he's got the beard pulled down under yeah, his chin you so you can see his face yeah. so his brother would clearly have recognized mm. him mm. and I honestly thought that's what was going to happen is that Ricky was going to play mm. some part in stopping his brother mm. in ending this mm. but clearly I was wrong mm. so uh yeah, so to me, it wasn't quite so obvious that we were going to end the film with, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> our, se- our sequel child yeah. <laughs> being quite so obvious. But um, I, maybe that's, maybe mm-hmm. I'm just strange. Well, I don't why, know. why do you think they made this stylistic choice of having him always wear the beard outside his face? I can see why they needed it for the last scene because, yeah. you know, there was that caused the kid to recognize it as his brother and all this. But throughout the whole film, I thought that was kind of well, not, uh, not when he's playing Santa for the children in the store. No, playing. no, but from once he goes off the rails, he for the he keeps, I think he, I'm right. He keeps it right, tucked under his chin, which yeah. you would think. But I, I wondered if it's because he's an attractive actor, and they they wanted I think to, partially that so you can see his face and see more acting, but it and maybe call be, more sympathy to the character. Maybe yeah. have people still sympathize the character, possibly, keep being reminded because I thought it was an odd. You would think that they would they would have him with the whole beard on, you know, the whole time and really looking well, like Santa then, Claus. Well, and again, I think you're right, possibly about seeing his face. That sounds accurate to me mm-hmm. because. The kid, the the guy, the actor plays the role throughout the film. Even in the the fight yeah, scene with right. uh, with the the kid he tosses out the window, mm-hmm. it's clearly that actor. Maybe part of it is that because he he can do this. Mm-hmm. Let's make sure that it's obviously him and not a stunt man. Yeah, I don't yeah, know, yeah. but uh, I don't know. I, I kind of like yeah. I, I kind of like the look because he kept it that way the whole time he's on his killing spree, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I guess I never really thought about it that much because it just mm-hmm. seemed natural to just tuck that. Because mm-hmm. once he, once you know, they they lock the place up and decide to to, to start drinking after mm-hmm. you know they're on Christmas yeah. Eve, yeah. he just pulls it down right. and tucks it under his chin, right? 
and he just keeps it that way for the whole rest of the film. And I don't know, it just seemed natural to me. I never asked the question. And, and in his own mind, he wouldn't necessarily see any need to disguise himself because yeah, in his yeah. own mind, he's doing right. He's yeah, doing yeah, the right thing yeah, anyway. Yeah. He's not really like he's trying to hide from the well, police. Well, he never or believes yeah. much, but he never believes he's Santa Claus. He yeah. it has snapped and is playing Santa Claus. <laughs> like he, you know, yeah. he's, he's in, in his mind, mm-hmm. he's, you know, Santa's helper. He's right. punishing yeah. the naughty. Yeah. So. I don't know. I, it's, yeah. it's a good question, though. Yeah. This film was made for supposedly one hundred seventy-five thousand. I'm sorry, uh, uh, seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. Okay. Shot in Utah in nineteen eighty-three, uh, released the next year, and uh, as we've talked about, there was a bit of controversy. The film comes out, and the reason there was controversy is not necessarily because of the film, mm. although the film didn't help, but because of its amazing advertising campaign. Uh, there was an advertising campaign, uh, TV ads run pretty regularly, mm-hmm. that, uh, boy, did it get them parents all riled up. Mm-hmm. And I can see why. Those trailers yeah. were pretty creepy. They were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and the implication within the trailer, if you knew nothing else about the film, is Santa Claus is going around murdering people. Not yeah. some deranged person who's in a Santa Claus suit, but it's Santa right. Claus. So it did get blown up ridiculously mm-hmm. into this big controversy about... They've made a movie where Santa Claus is running around murdering children. Well, and the great poster art has is coming out right. of the chimney, you know, mm-hmm. with actually still looks like it's Santa Claus. Yeah. yeah. The the movie got pulled out of theaters after about two and a half weeks, but what's sad is that even by then, it had made over $2 million. Mm-hmm. So the film was profitable even after being yanked right. uh, out of theaters by Trimark, the distribution company that had picked it up. Or actually, the, they didn't pick it up. They actually co-financed it. It was a Trimark picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they sold it off, uh, and uh, later it got re-released by somebody else. It was a couple of years later. And it, with an ad campaign that did not show any Santa in it mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. But the, uh, the odd thing is that controversy was big. There was no way to miss that controversy at that time in mm-hmm. 84, early 85. Yeah. Did either one of you guys see the Phil Donahue show that they did about it? No, I, I did, did not see it. I did see the Siskel and Ebert thing where they where they they like named all the producers and talked about how shameful it was that this was done. And I even I even remember Got as a kid, horse, I'm, yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm like really, 15, yeah. 16 going, it seems a little excessive <laughs> for <laughs> any film to... <laughs> To, to to start to be on television and claiming that the people who made this movie are I mean they were just they were like a, a hair's breadth away from just calling them evil human beings that should be locked up or killed. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, I think you may have stepped over a line. But nevertheless, they did it and the movie got pulled and there was all this controversy. It got to, it was one of the video nasties in Britain. Mm-hmm. This is kind of funny to look back at now mm-hmm. as I mean, it was huge then. It was yeah. a big thing. There's mm-hmm. no way oh, you were yeah, around yeah. at that oh, yeah, time. Yeah. Yeah. not know deal. about it. Mean, uh-huh. Well, again, going back to the Donahue thing, that was a mainstream show for Housewives. Yeah. yeah. And he devoted an hour to this. And I wish I tried to find it on YouTube, and it's not there. Yeah, I couldn't find it. You can find the Siskel Niebert thing, but you can't. I, the Donahue thing, I, 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 I can only read descriptions of. So. And I can't remember enough of it to quote anything from it, but I remember it was an outraged audience. They weren't on the director's side, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Lord. But yeah, it was a big deal. And it's so, times are just so different now. I mean, oh, we man. were talking a little bit about this before we started recording, but I work part time in a used record store where I sell movies. And parents will come in now and buy their kids, like five and six year old kids, let's get them one of them Freddy movies, one of them Chunky mm-hmm. movies. And 
the idea of mm. parents being upset about this Killer Santa Claus movie now is just—it's ridiculous. Yeah, no, not, not a parent wouldn't bat an eye at this. No, I was telling some—I was talking with someone the other day. We were kind of laughing about the whole. Uh, you don't have to go back too far, or too many years, to the whole. Uh, you know, controversy about Battle Royale, you know, and in fact, yeah. they got banned in places only here, it would only be shown the in our theaters. Yeah. And then just a little while later, uh, we have Hunger Games, which is basically yeah. Battle Royale, and they're like, hey, let's take little, you know, let's take, t- all, t- the t- let's take all the kids to see Hunger Games. Yeah, let's dress you know? Susie up as Katniss for Halloween. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's, <laughs> I know. It's, it seems that whatever is the big controversy just needs a few years mm-hmm. to just be mainstream mm-hmm. in one yeah. way or another. Yeah. It still amuses me to think back and look back on that time and that humongous controversy around this film and to just be kind of gog- goggle-eyed at the fact that it happened. But here's how little it matters nowadays. In 2012, they made a remake of this movie. Yes, yes. And that's, it's, I'll say it's a loose remake. And it's called, it is it's just called Silent Night. Right. And uh, I have to say, I think it's... I don't think it's a. Uh, I mean, did, did both of you get to yeah, see it? I did. Did you get to? Yeah, I yeah. I'll, I'll say this. I don't think it's a bad film. Also, don't think it's a good film. Mm. I think it. It is a loose remake. It's close enough. It's got enough. Uh, it's got enough stuff in it that it's yeah. obviously a remake. They they recreate a couple of scenes and there's yeah a, they they do you know they have a couple of homages to two of the better yeah. scenes. There's an homage to Linnea Quigley's death. There's an homage yeah. to the grandpa scene. Yeah. Uh, actually, it was based on uh, or it was. It, Kind of more loosely based, not just on the movie, but also on an actual incident that happened in 2008, yeah, uh, yeah. where a guy dressed as Santa Claus and killed some people uh, with a flamethrower, you know, with a, yeah. with fire. And then so they, uh, not flamethrower, I'm sorry, fire extinguisher, but they changed it to flamethrower in this, I think. But, but, but uh, they, they added that element to the film. So they just, you know, well. it was, so that, that was kind of a combination of that and sort of, you know, yeah, it's a very, very loosely remade. And I, I kind of agree with your assessment of it. Is it's not a bad film, but, uh, not, but also just... I mean, it's. I like. I, I certainly, for one thing, I, I. I mean, I definitely like Silent the original better for sure. Oh, definitely. And I think yeah. the story is much better in the original. The story is not really all that to me creative in no. in the new one. I mean, it's just not it's as a, interesting. It's a little generic. It is. Um, and uh, you know, it it it's uh, now now certainly if you're. I mean. I mean, if you're wanting a lots of gore and lots of, 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 of brutal kills and stuff and nudity and all that, it's got all that in the film. I mean, it definitely delivers the goods in that respect. If that's yeah. if that's what you want, I mean, that stuff it's got, is well it's, done. It's got a wood chipper death. It's that's got a wood chipper death. Yeah, which is always a plus. Yeah. That's true. That's that's the only reason to watch Fargo, right? Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. Well, what would you think, Hood? Yeah. It was okay, but yeah. you know, it didn't have the one thing that this movie has. That I, I don't know if many other slasher movies at all have. When you think about it, this is one of the few slasher movies that is about the killer from exactly. start to finish. Oh, yeah. so like yeah. It's yeah. not about yeah. the victims. It's not about the campers and the killer pops Where it's up. just kind of a mysterious, shadowy yeah. killer. Yeah, I mean, it's his story yeah. from, yeah. from yeah. Yeah. beginning to end. And he's the main character, which makes it interesting because it, there are times you're not sure who to root for because mm-hmm. you feel sorry mm-hmm. for this guy. Mm-hmm. He never has a chance. Yeah. No, oh, yeah. You know, when he goes on a killing spree, you can't really root for him. Right. So yeah. it puts you in a weird place as a viewer. Yeah, and that's what all the things that does, things like that make it the clever story. And it's mm-hmm. just, and I thought this new one... Um, also, I you know even though I love Malcolm McDowell, his character kind of really got on my nerves in the in the well, in this film because I don't think it's very well I don't think the character okay, is very well written. His character is not well written, and right. I'll pinpoint exactly why. He mm. and there's another character in the film. It's 
what I call shitty 21st century screenwriting, although it mm. stretches back as long as you want to mm. take it. Mm. It's just something that I found particularly egregious within the 21st mm. century, especially mm. in the horror genre, which is they think that they're being clever by mm. short by by finding a shortcut way to indicate to you that this character's an asshole. Yeah. By having the character be an asshole with every word that comes yes, out of their mouth. With everything. Right, right. There's just one note they have, and yeah. it's just every... So, there's nothing, yeah. so Malcolm McDowell's character is an asshole roughly every other line he yeah. speaks. Yeah. So yeah. there's not a scene in the movie where you don't think, my God, what an asshole. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Right, and that's, exactly. And that's fucking terrible screenwriting because yeah. then yeah. I don't believe this character at all. Yeah. Because no one acts that way. No one mm. rises to the level of being in control of a, of a police department in mm. a mid-sized mm. city. And be an asshole every time he opens his goddamn mm-hmm. mouth. Right. So yeah. I automatically don't believe that character. I think it sucks. Yeah. There's another character in the film that's quite like that. I thought they were going to do that with the mayor, but the mayor actually has scenes mm. where he's not an asshole. Right. Which I thought, oh, we're just going to have another asshole character. The most interesting character I thought is is the guy that they think is the is the killer for a while there. Yeah. That they kind yeah. of like he's actually pretty well played. And he's kind of one of the more right. interesting characters. That's an interesting character. Once yeah. he gets introduced, that yeah. conversation in the bar between yeah. Yeah. that fellow and the the female male cop mm-hmm. uh, is actually pretty damn interesting mm-hmm. and then this this scene uh, their last their their confronta- confrontation scene in his in his yeah. uh, apartment right. is actually pretty well written as well but there are, there are enough there are enough things that are let down like the the other character in the movie is is played by a very good actor Don uh Don Don, Logue, Don yeah. Logue, yeah, yeah. who's this kind of traveling um, Santa Claus mm-hmm. who isn't the killer Mm-hmm. But they think he might be. Mm-hmm. But he's another character who's just a prick in every mm-hmm. single, single fucking scene. Right, there's not yeah. a line of dialogue yeah. that he delivers where in which, in, in which the you know the underlined uh, subthesis of every mm-hmm. statement that comes out of his face is, "Hey, I'm a prick." Yeah, and that gets old real fast. <laughs> yeah. and that's just sloppy, shitty screenwriting. Mm-hmm. It's you don't you don't do that if you're overemphasizing something like that. You take. Well, I, at least you take me out of the damn mm. thing because I don't mm. give a shit anymore. Yeah. And what's terrible is that there's three or four other characters in the movie that are pretty well written. Yeah. That aren't presented as total assholes mm. or mm. stupid innocents or anything like that. They're actually they actually seem like real people. Mm. Well, it but, goes back to the thing we were talking about earlier, where people don't look like real people. Right. And mm. in, in the original, people act like real people. Yeah. You know, yeah. Now I will that. say. And there I'll, are some pretty people in this movie that are too pretty for the film. Yeah. Mm. I just was wishing that I could put a, a loop of where you just said, Hey, I'm a prick! <laughs> <laughs> can, I, can I get that as your ringtone for when you fuck? <laughs> if you think that'll fly in mixed company, you know how it is. Feel free. I'll send you an MP3. <laughs> oh, my God. If there was a Rod G.I. Joe with a little pull tag. You know no, what? Hey, like, then next time we're in public, I will I will call your phone. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but I think the actress who plays the female lead in the, in this remake is mm. pretty good. Yeah, uh, I think her character is. She's actually the, the script gives the character a mm. few interesting yeah. notes to play. Yeah, uh, but I will say that I think the most entertaining thing in the movie to me, and this is not a good thing was watching Malcolm McDowell wrestle with an American accent. Yeah, well. And yeah, lose. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. lose. Yeah. Um, he does a pretty good job about 65 to 70% of the time, and about 30% mm. of the time he's like, oh, lucky man. Yes, there he is. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, he's. Uh, it's, I mean, I'm, I'm glad Malcolm is getting all this late career work, but not all of it is good. No, <laughs> no, no. And he's, a, he's, a, he's a fine actor. Oh, I love Malcolm. McDonald, but the character he's yeah. playing is poorly written. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah. Him wrestling with an American accent. Mm. Well, first of all, he's got. I mean, I don't know how they could have possibly justified Malcolm yeah. McDowell Brit yeah. as the cop. You know, the the mm. the septuagenarian cop of this fucking town, mm. but. He does not always nail that accent to no. the wall. No, well, I think Malcolm has the same agent that Sid Haig has now, too. It's like, yeah, he's uh, like, will they pay me? I'll take I'll it. Take it. <laughs> no, exactly. Man, I guess so. And, <laughs> and on the other end, it's like, can we afford him? Let's get him. Let's you know, him. because yeah. we need a name. It makes no sense to get this actor, but we know he'll do anything for, you know, you don't even we'll know he comes cheap. Let's, let's, let's you know, get, him. get him. Yeah. So, <laughs> and in, a, in a way, I would think it's a shame, except that McDowell always gives 100%. Oh, he does, he yeah. Even in this film, which I don't yeah, think sure. is, like I say, I don't think it's a bad film. I just don't think it's very, I just don't think it's any good. No, you don't feel like he's sleepwalking he's, through it. Yeah, he's, give, he's giving it 100%. He's throwing himself into the role. Yeah, and I he's think being a cantankerous axle kind of comes natural to, you yeah, know, yeah. I mean, you know, just because I think he's played that role so many times, and I, I think he probably can, he may be that way halfway, half the time anyway, <laughs> I don't know, but I mean, I just, I think it, I think it's a role that's, pre, I mean, playing that kind of character, but he just had, yeah, had he had, he had better dialogue to work, to yeah. work with. It, it could have been a little more interesting, but yeah, well, maybe they can bring him back for the sequel. For... <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, they haven't made a sequel yet, and it's like five, four years later. Mm-hmm. So I don't know hey, that they're going to make still one. Happen. It could still happen. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, it clearly could. Well, I mean, my God, well, look at well, it this way: this is, Krampus was pretty successful, so I would expect that the Christmas. I would expect the Christmas. I don't guess we got one coming out this season, but I would have thought that they yeah, there wasn't to a see Christmas more Christmas theme. horror stories coming out. Story we start to see more of them because I think Krampus was pretty pretty. I successful. think there was some yeah. sort of a direct video ripoff because just the name. Oh, there were a, oh, there were a couple. Yeah, yeah. the name Krampus isn't. Copywritten. Yes. Oh, right, right. That's so there's like there have been a terror there, returns. Or, yeah. you know, those La, kinds well, of last things. year, gotcha. that's right. that's the thing that really surprised us. Is we is we got two Krampus movies last year: Christmas Horror Story and Krampus, and mm-hmm. both of them I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. I liked yeah. them both. Yeah, yeah. And that was a real shock mm-hmm. because it's not like the legend has been you know hidden from view for any any period yeah. of time. But it just out of the out of the blue in 2015, suddenly bam, here mm-hmm. they are. But that wasn't the only Krampus movie that came out. There were a couple that went straight, you know, straight to video or straight to streaming, and uh, I didn't hear good things about them at all. Yeah. And I, I can't, I don't remember the titles of them because I didn't seek them out. But um, it but, is, it is surprising mm-hmm. that there's not one that hit that hit this year either. Which is, which, which is, you're right. It is kind of strange. But here's the thing. Really briefly, I will admit, um, we all, we, obviously, we all prefer the original film, Silent Night, Deadly Night yeah, from '84. I have to say, I've never seen any of the sequels. I haven't either. Not even the most famous one, the second one, which is supposed to be roughly half footage from the first film mm-hmm. and apparently mind-bendingly awful. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. bet you've seen some of them, haven't you? Mr. Now, Hans, I've you're going to defend it, aren't you? The second one, and it, it. it's been a while. Oh, it's yeah, been yeah. a long time, so I can't really speak with fresh, fresh <laughs> eyes to it. But <laughs> okay. I thought it was okay. You were entertained. You were entertained, is basically what <laughs> you're saying. But it is, yeah. like... Mostly, it's the first film. It's sort of like Hills Have Eyes too. Or I was gonna say, but was it Boogeyman Two? Boogeyman, Boogeyman Two. Is there that one Boogeyman Two? Where something where it's like almost half the film is like the same footage from the first one. Yeah, I think. there's it's a like lot that. of that, but it's I mean it's pretty bad. But yeah. if you catch it in the right frame of mind, yeah. Well, that's yeah. just it. Uh, I intend to. Uh, I was. I'm hoping to do it 
this Christmas season. I don't know if I'll get the shot, uh, but our buddy Jeff, who we, yeah. we, we uh, I read the 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 letter from earlier, uh, actually has the that DVD release uh, that's got cool. the first and the mm-hmm. second one on it. Cool. And uh, he's like, you got to see the second one. And I just suspect that it sucks so bad he can't wait to hear my reaction. Aren't there like at least, what was there, up to five? How many of them are there? I think there? there were five. five. Five, that's what I was thinking. Because yeah. the, the second and third ones have sequel in them. Oh, <laughs> so, oh, oh sequel, Ricky, sequel, all grown up. Ricky yeah. sequel, Ricky the sequel. Bill Mosley <laughs> plays him in the third one. Oh, that's great. So, wow. you know, at that point, he's really got his issues under control. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, Bill Mosley only plays, yeah. Always Bill has restraint. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, from what I understand, like the fourth and fifth are like only tangentially well, related. See, see, I was wondering if it's one of those cases where like the zombie sequels and all that, where they just like take some movie that's set in a Christmas horror story and just call it this with awesome. a put it a number on the end of it, like they took all those supposed sequels to zombie and they're just random yeah, zombie yeah. films. Well, that I just, are like, I just want to make sure that we all but, know that one of the one of the extras on the Blu-ray are all these different notes and letters and pieces from the from uh, newspapers yeah um, right that expressing all their outrage <laughs> about the original film at the time in 80 in 84 slash 85 and one of the quotes on there is a very famous one from actor Mickey Rooney mm-hmm. who went on to star yeah. in one of the sequels <laughs> to this film so there's nothing yeah nothing a Hollywood whore won't do that's absolutely right to Amen. make some money yeah which might, of course, explain why Malcolm McDowell is trying to affect mm. an American accent in yeah. a, a remake to this film. Well, he may have thought, you know, Mickey Rooney successfully played a Japanese man at one time. So, would I, you like to reiterate? <laughs> would you like to express? <laughs> would you like to express that in a better, more accurate term <laughs> than successful? Because well, that is still one of the most egregious moments in all of cinema history. <laughs> is Mickey Rooney in Breakfast at Tiffany's embarrassing the holy living uh, shit out of himself? Oh, the classic film. There's not a bad note in that. I <laughs> uh, disagree. Agree. <laughs> Mickey Rooney is incredible in that. No. I know people who have seen it thought they went to Japan to shoot those. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> There's so much wrong with that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. Enough Mickey Rooney talk. Someone I've never spoken of on a podcast before, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. It's not like I'm going to sit down and start mm-hmm. going through the Andy Hardy films, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> on the next episode of the Rooney Cast, <laughs> the Rooney Cast, <laughs> the Rooney Cast. So, folks, uh, I just uh, this is this is a rough and tumble thing, but I do mm-hmm. kind of I do kind of want to know, especially from Troy, uh, on the one to ten scale, what did you end up giving uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night? Yeah, I would give it a seven. Mm-hmm. I thought it was I liked it. I thought it was a thought it was a well made film. You know, it's it's a the I think it's, it's solid. I think it's a really interesting story and you know okay. interesting fun characters and you know a good good horror film. Yeah, yeah, I liked it. I liked it. I mean, I think I could see myself. I mean, I, I think I, I could see myself watching it again from time to time. You know, just because I did enjoy it. Mr. Hudson, I have Troy went the same direction yeah. I was going to. I'd say a seven as well. This movie, there's so much about it that works beautifully. Yeah, and it zips along. I mean, yeah, it, it really does. That's true. It's that's something fast. I was pay, I was paying attention because I knew we were going to do this podcast. You're right, man. The pacing of that film, mm. it does move mm. along. There's not a point at which I felt like it was dragging ever. It, mm-hmm. it really the, has a good the, pace. The audio commentary, the guys who actually made it wouldn't agree with us. They, I think there's several times on the commentary they kind of gripe about the oh boy, this pacing we was really yeah, slow. The here. old eighties, but they're pacing. probably just judging themselves pretty harshly. I think. Is yeah, what I it think is. it's, just I think it's like, people in you know, and they're thinking that what they're thinking this they're is going to be watched by. 
their head. That's yeah, what that's yeah, what creators that's right. always sure, do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like listening to mm-hmm. uh, a director look at a classic film and and, mm-hmm. and all they can see are the flaws. All mm-hmm. they can see are the flaws, mm-hmm. and that's kind of a similar thing. And I understand it. You made it so you you feel like you could you know you see all the seams. You see the thing that you hoped you would get mm-hmm. and you didn't. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, yeah, but. I gave it a seven too. I say there's a seven across the board, which mm. is kind of weird. Okay. I I've always felt this movie was rested very comfortably at about a seven on the one to ten scale because mm-hmm. it took me by surprise. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I walked in just wanting to go ahead and watch this film because I'd heard about it for so long, and, mm-hmm. and my initial viewing was a bit of a surprise because we really enjoyed it and it was fun, and mm-hmm. I could understand the controversy because of course I lived through it. But wow, it's a solid little slasher film. Yeah. And by the time I saw this, I was over my dislike of slashers to the point where I'd actually learned to appreciate them. And so it really fit right into that groove very well. Yeah. And now the the, uh, the 2012 Silent Night, I'm probably more in about a five on that one. You know, that's where I, that's where I went with it as well. Yeah. I'd say a four or five. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's yeah. okay. Yeah. 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 And it's not one I, I really don't ever see myself returning to. I don't think so, no. <sighs> cool. Very nice. Well, folks, fun, guys. Um, I hope that uh, if you have not seen Silent Night, Deadly Night, uh, we've just spoiled the holy living shit out of it. So uh, now mm. go see it with mm. the full knowledge of what it's going well, to be good. and what you're going to see. Mm. But yeah, we saw we you would have guessed the, the ending surprise, anyway, yeah. the surprise yeah. ending. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, like I say, I yeah, thought you, it was you, no, I like the way I, I like the I way you were. Thought it was gonna, I thought that's why the little brother was there. I thought mm. the little brother was going to play a part in like stopping the carnage, and not by you know like actively stopping it but just his presence alone was going to have some threw effect. a punch like his older brother <laughs> <laughs> he could have <laughs> see I thought you were going to say you, you, I, I first thought you you know you were going to say you thought the little brother was going to like you know grab grab find the cop's gun and like you know cap his cap his brother but you're actually talking about he would it was just his presence talk him, yeah, yeah just say something to him enough to like you know snap the snap his older brother out of what was going through his head and just mm. kind of end everything mm. and that's why I thought I knew there were sequels I thought maybe Mm-hmm. Billy snapped, you know, an, you know, some some future time like escape from an insane asylum or something like that. I didn't know he got blown away at the end of the film. So, mm-hmm. like I say, my brain works strangely. <laughs> maybe it's just not obvious. Maybe I look at the obvious thing and think, well, it can't be that. I don't know. But um, I, I know that there's no way to know what holiday horror film we'll, we'll cover next December. No, we don't. We do not know, but there's but many, many possibilities. Many, many there possibilities. Are. And yeah. uh, I guess we'll uh, take a quick break and then we'll come back and uh, clue you in about what's going to happen in the podcast over the next couple of months, or maybe even just the next couple of weeks, depending on how we look at this. So hang on, we'll be right back. I am Dr. Lee Cushing. Welcome to my Chamber of Horrors. Dr. Cushing's Chamber of Horrors is a serialized monster rally novel in the tradition of the classic Universal and Hammer horror films. It's written by Stephen D. Sullivan, the award-winning author of White Zombie, Daikaiju Attack, Manos, The Hands of Fate, and the original chill role-playing game. My goal is to recreate the thrills of the monster versus monster films that we all love. We'll have vampires, werewolves, mummies, psychic twins, and scheming madmen, and that's just in the first storyline. Now you can get Dr. Cushing's Chamber of Horrors and other monster stories sent directly to your email for as little as a dollar a month. For just two dollars, you'll get all the chapters in advance, plus bonus stories and other perks. Sign up now at CushingHorrors.com or visit SDSullivan.com for a Patreon link. I do hope you've enjoyed your visit. Please come again, and remember, The chamber is always waiting 
for its next victim. But he won't have his reindeer Santa Dan moved from the North Pole Santa Dan moved from the North Pole People down there don't rock and roll Santa's gonna fly this trip And he'll be coming in a rocket ship Before we let you go, I just wanted to let you uh, in on the uh, upcoming episodes of The Bloody Pit. We've got a few different things coming, as always. It's not like I can stay on track for one particular subject for very long without going completely insane. Uh, sometime in February, hopefully, if everything goes well, I'll be sitting down to talk with a friend of mine about, uh, well, an odd area of Doctor Who history. So uh, let's fingers keep fingers crossed. Hopefully that one happens without any problems. Thank you, Skype. And uh, before then, I think next month in January, Troy and I will be sitting down to uh, wrap up or round out our most recent uh, Kaiju series of podcasts. Uh, we're finally drawing uh, 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 the curtain on the Ghidorah Files. Yes, yeah. 1991's Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah is what we're going to be watching. And uh, it's uh, so much fun. It's nuts. The, the, uh, uh, we'll invite you all to send us your time travel theories once we've uh, <laughs> talked about this. Uh, but it's going to be a good one, though. It's going to be a fun episode. I, did, I, I do that love series, that series. You guys have done such a great job with those. No, well, thank, thank you. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Yeah, it's appreciate been a that. lot of fun. It, it, it's it's weird. I often forget that 
people who are on the podcast can be fans mm. of other podcasts within the podcast. Mm. Oh it's yeah, one of those where there's like last month when I uh, when I was talking with Adrian and Adrian was talking about how much he enjoyed uh, our series of podcasts about uh, Antonio Margariti, mm-hmm. and it's like, well, I, I know that people are listening mm. to the show, but uh, wow, to hear someone mm. actually talk. Talk talk to me about yeah. how much they enjoy oh. the show. That's really nice. Man. Yeah, you guys are doing a great job with that. And I understand you can't quite agree on the title of this next film that you're going to be covering. In, uh... Invisible Chimp. It's, 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 it invisible? it's not Invisible Chimp. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> also, sometime in January, I will sit down and punch John <laughs> Hudson in the face. And we will cover... Well, I've, Mr. Hudson has finally decided which ne- which margariti film we're going to do next his choice has been Mr. S- <laughs> Mr. Super Invisible. Uh, yes, apparently there's a goddamn invisible chimp in the fucking movie. So, I'm already cursing. I haven't even watched the fucking film. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. So, yes. Oh, sometime next month, look for but you can't see him. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he's an invisible chimp. <laughs> I'm not going to enjoy uh, myself. I swear <laughs> to God, I'm not going to enjoy myself. We will be covering Antonio Margariti's 1970 film, uh, Mr. Super Invisible. And uh, Troy and I will then sit down and talk about Godzilla films, which, I mean, you know, I'm more comfortable talking about the Godzilla films because <laughs> at least I learn more then. I know that I'm just going to have brain cells die watching Mr. Super Invisible. I love, <laughs> I love you, Antonio Margariti, but whoa, I don't know that this was a good idea. Thank you once again. Now, Hudson. neither of you guys you're actually welcome. watched the film yet. or, or no. Oh, great. So you really don't know what you We really don't. Neither of us know okay. what we're in for, but I think we both suspect pain is on the horizon. I just so. know that there's an invisible gem. <laughs> and that's all you need to know. And that's all. That, that, that like, may be like an idea oh, straight from the head. Yeah. You know, when we started talking about doing this movie months ago, I, I, I was I was much more positive about it because it was I knew it was months away. Yeah. But now that it's upon me, and I know it's only a few weeks from now. I'm starting to regret ever make, ever making this decision. Well, so you shouldn't have told me there was an invisible chimp in it. You know me. Yes, yes, I do know you. So, folks, I'm hoping please. he'll throw invisible poop. Oh God, it just got infinitely worse without even trying. So, folks. Please be aware, if you want to get a hold of us, you can uh, write us at thebloodypit at gmail.com. We'll be glad to hear from you. Also, I have, very late in the game, actually started a Facebook page for this podcast. You have? Yes, okay, I have. fine. After I've been, yeah, I've been yeah, cajoling yeah. you for years now. Dude, you've finally, got to get a Facebook finally page. did that. One day, I'll actually produce a, an actual mm. promo for the show, too, but it ain't <laughs> happened yet. <laughs> One of these days, I'll act like a real podcaster. I'll wear my big boy pants, and I'll be a guy. But no, uh, keep in mind, the Facebook page is out there for the Bloody Pit. Uh, you can email us if you'd like to comment, insult, or, I don't know, maybe praise. It's 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 something that happens occasionally. But we'd be glad to hear from you. And uh, like I say, keep uh, keep an eye out. God only knows what, uh, what the podcast will bring as the year progresses. But I do suspect that eventually there will be a Rollerball episode. Ooh. Oh, that would be cool. I love LL Cool J. <laughs> I will strangle you. <laughs> I will strangle you. 
you may not. I was gonna say you, I love Raquel Welch, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> wrong goddamn film for both of you. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Yes. Thank you very much for doing this, mm. and uh, I look forward to next year's holiday horror, whatever yes. it may be. And um, now that we have punished you with our podcast, we hope that Santa will be good to you all. That's right. Christmas. It's the scariest night of the year. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, folks. I am Rod Barnett. I'm Troy Gwynn. And I am John Hudson. And we will see you, I guess, in a year. See you next year. Yeah. See you next Hopefully year. we'll get together before then. Yeah, the three of us may have to. I think I can already hear the Legion of fans stomping their feet and you know, pounding on the bleachers oh, there too, for us yeah. to yeah. for us to to not wait to have to wait a whole year for the three of us to be together. Oh yeah, yeah. So they're going to want to buy little one inch squares of our bed sheets. <laughs> <laughs> we can ship them our empty bottled waters here. You that's know, right. Like, <laughs> that's uh, that we're living the dream, right? Yeah. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. Thank you very much for listening, and we will see you next time. Slip a sable under the tree for me Been an awful good girl, Santa baby So hurry down the chimney tonight Santa baby, a 54 convertible to light blue I'll wait up for you, dear Santa baby So hurry down the chimney tonight Think of all the fun I've missed all the fellas that I haven't kissed Next year I could be just as good If you check off my Christmas list Santa baby, I want a yacht And really that's not a lot Been an angel all year, Santa baby So hurry down the chimney tonight Santa honey One little thing I really need The deed To a platinum mine Santa baby So hurry down the chimney tonight Santa cutie And fill my stocking With a duplex And checks Sign your ex On the line Santa cutie And hurry down the chimney Tonight Come and trim My Christmas tree With some decorations bought at Tiffany I really do believe in you Let's see if you believe in me Santa baby forgot to mention One little thing, a ring I don't 
telephone sent to baby so hurry down the chimney tonight hurry down the chimney tonight hurry tonight that reminds me of a story I told Troy or texted him I had a Guy come in, uh, came in the store. Oh, yeah. He's, he's like, oh, yeah, look, one of y'all got a movie. It's about this bionic dog. It's called like Chimps or Chumps or Chomps. <laughs> chomps. Uh, I remember this man. I got his ass for Chomps. <laughs> There's hope for humanity. Hope you know, for, you know, <laughs> I saw Chomps in the theater. Oh, man. man. Oh, well. Wow. And I've still not recovered. <laughs> you know, we don't have it. He's like, what about Digby, the biggest dog in the world? <laughs> He was just looking for. Oh, he wasn't just looking for weird ass dog movies. Yeah, just chumps. It oh, so my chumps. It's chomps, by the way. Yeah, it's an O. Let's not misspell yeah, that so shit. We don't thing. have chomps, but we do have humps. <laughs> Camels. Which, that's one I've been able to avoid. Okay, okay, okay. Let's stop fucking around. Okay. <laughs> he says, knowing that we're going to continue to fuck around. <sighs>